trying to do? All you wanted to do was embarrass me. Well, you did it, okay? Grandfather always said you were a loser. Now you're trying to make me one, and I hate you for it. Mike, I don't care what your grandfather thinks about me, okay? All I care about is you. Now, you lost back there because you beat yourself. You let yourself get beat. I know you can do it. You're a special kid. You're my boy, do you understand? But you're also a spoiled, rich brat who's always had everything done for him. Now it's time to do it for yourself, Mike, and you can do it. Because I'm telling you, the world meets nobody halfway. Do you understand what that means? If you want it, Mike, you gotta take it. Do you hear me? You gotta take it. Go in there and try. I know you can win. But even if you don't, so what? So you lose. As long as you lose, like a winner, it doesn't matter. Because you did it with dignity. I'm telling you, if you don't go in there, you're going to be sorry. You're going to regret it your whole life. You know what I mean? Come on. I know you can do it. Will you do it for me? And happy Father's Day from the Simbi Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me is Jamie. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. It's good. And Susanna's here. Hello. I hope you're doing better than I am. Mm, hopefully, we could we could uh, bring some cheer in here or something. Have a good time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's what I am desperately looking for. Been down about stuff, I know. But um, and Brian is here. How you doing, Brian? Hello, I'm doing A-OK. Try to stay out of the heat today. It's got, it got to about 100 degrees here so far. I don't know uh, where, where it's at for sure, but... <clears throat> yeah, this whole weekend's supposed to be hell. Mm. It's overcast right now, so it's not really that hot outside, but it's very humid. Yeah, it's like going outside and stepping into a sauna. Makes you glad I have nerd things to do in the house, but like uh, edit podcasts and whatnot, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, this is uh, somebody who I, I used to do a show with, you know, uh, who's uh, risen like the mighty phoenix, going to university now, and being on on uh, on this person's own. This is the Hawk people. How you doing, Hawk? Hello. It's good to be back, finally. Yeah. I was just trying to work out what 100 degrees is in English. Oh. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. That's a, I think it's, um, I want to say 35, something. Yeah, like that sounds that. about right. That would be pretty hot. Okay. Yeah, it's like 10 here. <laughs> oh, I take that. That's perfect for me. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of heat. We've had some really weird weather lately, though. It's been like thunderstorms one minute and then 
glorious sunshine the next, but still not hot. So it's a weird summer, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, we've had kind of the same thing here. It went from being 40 degrees to 90 the next day. There was no real spring. It was just cold, cold, cold. It's hot out. Yeah, same here. (laughs) But then the temperatures would drop and you'd get some relief for a little while and then it comes right back. It's been very bizarre. And especially since it's the middle of June, we've had some very cool, comfortable days Oh, in between yeah. the heat it's it's just it's bizarre yep yeah it's pretty cool here but we don't really get humidity like you do so i can't really imagine like when people say it's hot and humid i don't really get that because we don't we get like really dry heat rather than that kind of damp stuff so i'm glad that we don't do that because i'm not good with heat one <laughs> <laughs> way to really describe humidity it's like stepping out the door and having someone put a wet washcloth over your face Oh, I mean, I did go to Singapore once and I remember that, like we got to the airport and I was going, this is fine. This is why is everyone complaining about the heat? This is lovely. Like totally forgetting that aircon was a thing. And then I went outside (laughs) and realized my mistake. But it's so hot that your car sweats. That's when you know it's humid outside. (laughs) (laughs) Or when you can see the steam rising off the streets. Yeah. That's, um, that's like, it'll, it'll, um. We'll have a little bit of rain, just enough to make it steamy. And then you can actually see the steam rising off the streets, and it's just, uh, it's choking. But not as bad up here as it is down south, so. Yeah, when we were in New Orleans, it it rained a little bit one afternoon, and it basically evaporated before it hit the ground. Wow. Here, it's more likely that it will be really warm, and then you'll take your shirt off, and then it will start to snow. <laughs> that is far more likely. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, usual stuff here. Uh, I'm going to ask the hawk what the hawk's been watching. Um, I've been doing a lot of gaming recently, actually. So I just finished playing um, Detroit Become Human, which now that I've watched Real Steel, seems quite appropriate, actually. So that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. I've been watching a lot of Netflix shows. So I watched The Expanse, which was really good. And I finished watching Sense8, which I love. Um, so, yeah, all the sci-fi for me at the minute is kind of my thing. Oh, and I finally got around to watching Lake Placid the other day. So that was an experience. Well, the very first one? Yeah, I watched the first and the second one. Nice. Very, very different films. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure you have Betty White calling somebody a cocksucker in that movie or something, and it's kind of entertaining. Yeah, the first one's pretty damn good. I mean, it's got Betty White in, it's got Brendan Gleeson in, who's like one of my favorite actors ever, and like, it knows it's stupid, so it's really like, just good fun. So I really enjoyed that one, and then the second one, which is like, 2007, I think the second one came out, so almost a decade later, and it's just... The height of kind of piranha three double D trashy, not even gonna make an effort kind of movies. Like one of the guys, I'm pretty sure they dubbed him the whole way through the film. So I don't know what was going on there, but he just wasn't speaking. Like all of the shots were over the shoulder shots and things, so you never saw his mouth because he just didn't leave <laughs> the lines on set for some reason. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell was going on there. I think the and la- then you I- know you have those I think the last three were directed video here in the States. Yeah, I picked it up on the horror channel. I was just like, well, why not? It'll it'll, it'll uh, entertain me for an hour or two, which is, I mean, entertainers 
is a very generous term for mm-hmm. what that movie did. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the Elster Hawk? Uh, I did write something down. Let me just check my notes. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I've also started watching uh, Once Upon a Time, the TV show. Because like, I'm really into fantasy stuff, so I feel like I should like it. And I tried to watch it before and didn't really get into it, so I'm giving it another go around now. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I'm sticking in there, so we'll see how it goes. Did it's pretty interesting watch- to see. Go on. Oh, did you ever watch Grimm? Grim, yeah, that was another one. I get like three seasons in and then I just die. I can't yeah, do any more. I know. It, it changed around the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and I didn't. I stopped watching it, but the first two seasons were a lot of fun. Yeah, I really liked it. was the really same way it. with Grim. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool concept, and I liked that, you know, he didn't really know what was going on, so it was all completely new to him. And kind of in a similar way of Buffy, but she had like... The, the watchers and everything like teaching her and showing her the ropes and stuff he was just completely thrown in the deep end had no fucking idea what to yeah. do so i quite like that but yeah um i remember one episode where they tried to make out like hitler was a lion or something and i was just like i, I think i'm done here <laughs> that's enough for me yeah, now. that must have been after i quit watching because if i had seen that episode and i was still watching that would have been the end for me too yeah oh dear it's all those kind of shows, though, the CG never gets any better, bless them. <laughs> or else he's given less episodes if the CG has to be better, because that, uh, that costs more money. There we go. That's true, but, you know, with Once Upon a Time, for example, that was huge when it was on, so you'd think they'd have the budget for it anyway, because everybody was watching it, especially it when they bring uh... in, like, Elsa from Frozen and stuff, and it's Disney. That's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is it was Disney, so you know they had a budget. Yeah, but you know something's gone wrong when literally the main actor leaves and they still carry on the show. <laughs> I, I think the main actor and, like, six other cast members or something left. Something like that. Yeah. And they had this amazing series where the girl who plays Snow White is pregnant. Um, so they just, like, position her behind bushes for, for six episodes. <laughs> oh, those, uh, you know, the, 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 the main act- they'll CG that out like Henry Cavill's mustache in Justice League. <laughs> yeah, it's like they should know better than when the some of the main actors leave that that's usually just the death knell for the show. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when you bring on a child, you know, oh, some, God, ran- yeah. some random what kid. What is, what, oh, what yeah. Is it, uh, cousin, what's his face? Oliver. Cousin Oliver. Yeah, Cousin um, Oliver Syndrome. So many, so many added kids. It's awful, you know. And <laughs> some of them are Family awful. Ties did it. Yeah. And that was the end of the show. Growing Pains did it. All in the Family did it. Married with Children did it. It was. And you had all the movie sequels as well, like Son of the Mask and um, the Third Ace Ventura was a kid as well. And they just do like if they can't get the lead actor, they just shove a kid in there. That makes it okay, apparently. (laughs) But you would think that research would show that it doesn't work. It'll cover Jamie, I know, that she's far, yeah, far away from, from the seven episodes on Married with Children, so... Yes, yeah. <laughs> We've got a ways to go. No, they'll, they'll, they'll change things all the time. Like I, I've seen them change the kid actor from the pilot to the regular show, and uh, that's always strange, but whatever. See, I can get behind that, though, because the pilot, when they film that, you never know if it's going to go anywhere, so the actors are just signed for the one episode. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea if you're going to do more. So I can understand that if they finally get 
a full season and then the actor's like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. Fair enough. But it's when you get like shows like Roseanne where they just switch the dot around every few episodes. So it's these two actors constantly changing and nobody ever mentions it. The thing I thought was funny about that, though, is that they embraced it and they made a joke out of it because they're like, look, we know you're not stupid. You're, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, and we're, whereas like with a daytime soap opera, they'll just throw in another person and it's this it's the same character, different actor. And then they'll go back and forth and it happens all the time. And you're just supposed to go, oh, OK, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. One of the funniest things I remember when I was watching Young and the Restless with my grandmother um, this couple had a, a baby. It was like three years old, but the next week she was like 18. Like what? <laughs> what? It's one of them twilight babies that grows up instantly. Yeah, apparently <laughs> so. Well, when growing pains did it, they had a baby. And then like the very next season, she's like seven years old. And, yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, Ashley Johnson when they brought her in. And like, what is, what, <laughs> what's happening? Nice. We just have no concept of time in TV land. Well, if Kirk Kirk Cameron's involved, Jesus Christ is involved, okay? So maybe he made that child older. uh, That's a good point. (laughs) Oh, and then then after that, they were, when they were still kind of tanking, they brought in Leonardo DiCaprio as a kid. And I'm like, guys, just Uh, give it up. Yeah, it was, it was on its last legs. It was played. End it. And I know this is going to clash a lot, so I'll ask one of them. Uh, Brian, what have you and Jamie been watching? Uh, Well, me, just speaking for myself, uh, since we have a gamer on here, I will say I've been playing the video game Vampire. New one just came out. Oh, nice. That's a lot of fun. It's a kind of a mixed bag, though. The combat is pretty wonky, but the story is solid, so... That's what keeps me going. Um, We've also played Far Cry 5. Yes, we uh, Jamie's been playing that. I played and beat it. It was a fun game. The ending, not so great. But, uh, you know, it's typical Far Cry. If you like Far Cry 1 through 5, uh, you'll like this one. Um, and then one last thing just on my own. I tried to watch the Netflix series Lost in Space. And it really didn't grab me. Um, I gave it four episodes and it was okay, but I don't know. Something about it just didn't really compel me to watch the the episodes after that. So I kind of gave up on it. Have you seen the original series? Oh, yeah. I mean, as a kid, I grew up with it. Not when it originally aired. Not that old. Obviously. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was on syndication back then and it was like a staple of my kitty viewing so i don't know if that plays a part in it or whatever but i don't know just something about so. this yeah something about this series just was off to me i like i said i gave it four episodes to try to win me over and it never really did so there's yeah, so much other same thing oh, okay good but I, well, I never watched the original but i was aware of it but i never actually saw it um, but I watched a few episodes of the remake because uh, Toby Steven plays the dad and he's one of my favorite actors. Um, it's so weird to see him doing the Liam Neeson thing and suddenly become like an action hero as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't intend to stop watching it. I just never got around to picking it up again because I just wasn't that bothered. So yeah, that's I don't how... think it is that you know it. 
that's how this was. It wasn't like it put me off like, oh, this is stupid or I'm angry at it. It was just, eh, I just couldn't get around to doing it again. Um, now on to what we've watched together. Uh, we went back with our grand experiment of trying to watch every movie in our collection. We kind of slowed down for a bit because we had two big box sets, one by uh, Hitchcock and the other by Andy Sedaris. And let me tell you, those two directors could not be more different if they tried. <laughs> but uh, I caught them up on that. I think they're that. Well, I love those movies. The problem is when you have to sit down and watch like 13 of them back to back to back, um, it starts getting very samey. And that goes for Hitchcock and Sedaris. It's just why I love the individual films. Watching that many of them in succession started slowing us down. But after that, we went back to just general box sets of random collection of stuff. And I've been having more fun with that because I like variety. And we've actually been kicking them out at a good pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the movies was Pulse, not the uh, Asian evil computer movie. This is the 1980 Electricity is Evil movie. With Joey Lawrence. That yeah. is such an awesome movie. I don't care what anybody says. Whenever <laughs> I see that on, I watch it. I just, I really enjoy it. I like it. And Joey Lawrence was really good in Surprisingly, that Surprisingly, yeah. He was. And I mean, he was, was uh, believably a freaked out kid, you know? I, oh, I yes. Truly enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah, this box set that we're in now, I am I am enjoying quite a bit. It's Well, it was a bit of a mixed bag, as all of them are, but it has some winners. Um, last night we watched, or maybe the night before, uh, Horror Express, which is a favorite of mine. Oh, Kelly, Kelly, oh. Kelly Savalas for the win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good, and Brian had pointed out that, that apparently there has been a theory that it was sort of another take on the novel Who Goes There, um, which I had I never, see that. I had never considered it, but I, when he said that, I started paying attention yeah, and we, trying to, you know, you know, put the plug that in while we were watching it, and I get it, like it. I would totally believe that. It's more, the connection. I, it's more crude it done, sense. but it is, it is the thing on a train, is, is basically yes. what it is. Um, what else did we watch recently? Well, we went to see Hereditary. Oh, that's right, duh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we actually went out to the theater, which we haven't done for a while, and we saw Hereditary. Uh-huh, we went to see Upgrade the week before. <laughs> well, it felt like we haven't. What did we see before that? I don't know. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Do <laughs> anyways, um, hereditary. hereditary heard a bunch of good things about it, wanted to go see it, and yeah, it lived up to the hype. Loved it, I, I loved it, really like that movie. Um, I really want to see that. <laughs> it had some moments that legitimately surprised me, and that's kind of hard to do because usually when I'm watching a movie, my mind is always racing like five steps ahead trying to plot it out before it happens it's stupid i don't know why i do that it just happens it's like horror fans are so jaded it's like we know everything that's gonna happen yeah but there there's a moment in this film that totally comes out of left field and especially if you watch the previews the previews set up one type of movie so i kind of went in here knowing okay this is how the movie's gonna evolve and you know proceed 
And then wham, in one minute, I was like, wow, that's totally not going the way I expected. Yeah, so. I actually went <gasps> in the theater. It it totally just got me. I was, and I love that. I love it when you can nail me like that. Good. Plus the perform. I mean, and everyone's been saying it. The performances are fantastic. Tony Collette is incredible. She always has been, though. I I agree. I have been a fan of her since Muriel's wedding, and I have never seen her do anything. And that I didn't like. And I had completely forgotten until recently about the series that she did, uh, The United States of Tara, where she played, um, she was a mom who had uh, like uh, multiple multiple personalities. And she played like five different personalities. I completely forgot about that show until someone had posted it recently. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she was really good. Like, she was really good at that. So... I've never seen her turn in a bad performance. This one, however, was heart-wrenching and amazing. Um, Gabriel Byrne, I don't know where he's been. I have I haven't seen him in forever. I almost didn't recognize him. He's really aged. But he again just he was his performance was a little more quiet, a little more subdued. He just he's the guy that you really felt bad for because he's just trying to hold his shit together. Yeah, it was a very subdued performance for Gabriel. I'm usually I usually expect him to be bigger than that. So, and plus, as you mentioned, uh, with his age, it was when he came on screen, I'm like, oh, wow, that guy looks like Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, wow, that is Gabriel Byrne. But yeah, we were both really impressed, really loved it. At the end, uh, I turned to Brian. Oh, he said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think I loved it. And he goes, I thought it was meh. And I was like, well, you know, this is, and then I, I said, well, this is what, what I loved about it. And he goes, he goes, I was lying, by the way. I loved it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> he was just trying to see if I would, if he could get a reaction out of me. But yeah, it was great. We both were highly recommended. Cool. Anything else want to talk about? I mean, I think that's the major stuff. Okay. That's yeah. Suzanne. Uh, just not really been watching a lot. I have the attention span of a gnat right now. Um, finished Floating Staircase by Ronald Malfi, which was nowhere near as good as the other books. Still an interesting read. And I watched Leviathan, the story about the making of Hellraiser on Shudder, which was absolutely fascinating. But in my opinion, Hellraiser can do no wrong. Um, we did not like that doc. I actually, I, we didn't even finish that doc, did we? Or did, I don't remember. I don't, I think, don't we think we did. did. I just, I, I think we got like an hour in, and I just because well, the, at least the parts that when we were watching, it was just, it was nothing but a bunch of ass kissing, you know, which is what I remember anyway. Yeah, everyone just kissing everybody else's ass, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience or whatever, but I just. I, and I usually love documentaries about yeah. anything, really, but particularly about horror films or the making of. And I just didn't care for it. Oh, the last 30 minutes they were talking about how they did some of the effects. And it was hilarious. One of their gophers would go hit up all the drugstores and buy KY jelly and latex condoms. <laughs> and they were telling how you know, the guy would go in and 
the pharmacist would ask, so are you going to a party? <laughs> yes, I'm going to a party. But, I mean, it was really interesting. Like I said, you missed when they went into the special effects, how they put things together and what they did. That was fascinating. But, yeah, the, fir- the first part of it was kind of dry. But, like I said, once they got into the makeup, it was it was fascinating. And I found, I'm like, oh, wow, that was really good. I should add that to my collection. And there's like a seven and a half hour and they go into help, you know, more into Hellbound because Barbie Wilde was in the in this one. And she played the female Cenobite, Cenobite in Hellbound and not the original Hellraiser. She was telling me the the, the first girl, I, I, I don't know her name, that really hated the makeup and never wanted to put it oh, on yeah, ever she, again. Yeah, the makeup artist said that the first girl who Cenobite, she just would freak out looking at herself in the mirror. Me, I think it would be awesome to see myself uh, torn up like that. I'd love it. Yeah, that's like my dream to get some really like fucked up prosthetics. Like the longer I sit in the chair, the more excited I am. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, it, it's I don't know if it's a question of being vain about it or if it was just that unsettling to her. I don't know. Go, go it's to, interesting. Go to Mother's Day brunch like that. Hey, how you doing? You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I maybe do it. we should give it another shot and see if we can do it again. I, don't know. Be I find that interesting though, because I haven't seen this documentary, but I know that Clive Barker, who you know wrote the story that Hellraiser is based on, really hated the first movie. Like he basically disowned it um, and took more of a hands-on role with the second one because he wanted to get it right. So I find it quite surprising that it's so like ass kissy. <laughs> was it the just, was it the golden child flying creature at the end that did it for him? I don't know. Just, uh... I I don't know. And he was he had nothing to do with the documentary. They talked about him. They showed pictures of him, but he didn't. There was no interview with him at all. And well, he's been so sick lately. They're all getting sick and dying, and I don't like it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't like it either. I'm not a fan. Uh, health permitting, he's going <laughs> to supposed to come be to Chicago in November for Days of the Dead. So, yeah, I hope I can go because that would be worth it. I could get him to, you know, instead of having the autographed copy mailed to me, I could have him like sign it again for real. <sighs> so, bucket list item, check, check that out. And so. let's see what else. Um, like I said, it just the last thirty minutes were interesting, and I wanted to add it to my collection, but. There is a seven and a half version out there, and it's going for five hundred and eighty dollars on Amazon. Jesus! Oh, I know. It's like if it was like fifty, I would totally do it. But five hundred and eighty, I don't think so. And I also, for no particular reason, one of my friends wanted to watch it, so I ended up watching Jigsaw. And it's Jigsaw. You know, the Saw series is one of those movies I can just take them as is. I'm not a fan of the series. I thought the first one was brilliant, and then they became increasingly silly. I agree with you completely. But Jigsaw, I mean, it's just like, he, he's dead. He keeps coming back. He's dead. He keeps coming back. I'm like, what? Guys. What the guy had to be Nostradamus to see everything that would happen um, after his death. Yeah, he dies in the third film. Or is it the, no, the third one? And then they make... Like five more films after that, where he has this um, agents. Yeah, but it just—they <clears throat> know they messed up. They know he was the draw, so they kept. I mean, he had these the most intricate, genius level plan ever. 
where everything is cross and double cross and he's pulling the strings on all his various puppets even from famously yeah even from beyond the grave and it's like yeah i know that it, it gets a bit yeah and every movie the flashbacks get like more and more convoluted as well and it's like okay this flashback is that between this flashback or this one or what is happening <laughs> i had no it spans idea. like 30 years i have no idea what the timeline in this movie was and yeah like, i found that one really like badly put together it was i mean i was even kind of disappointed in the kills they were pretty lame, and mm. they cut away constantly. I'm like, yeah. okay, I saw someone's head just get torn apart, and yet you cut away with a saw blade? Really? Really? This is where we're going with this now? Why are you trying to make a kind, kinder, gentler, less bloody saw, which is not what the movies are known for? I'm, I'm still- it wasn't- yeah, I mean, honestly... Aside from the first movie, the only thing they have going is, like, the gore and the traps and all that kind of thing, because they've lost that the, the yeah. surprise of the first film and then then they're now like edging away from that and that means they have nothing going for them anymore <laughs> i did like the performance of the guy from glades i don't remember his name but the oh, lead guy awesome i thought he did a really good job i just because I, I like him anyway i i just don't think he had very much to work with and the story was not very strong and when we got to the end like Really? <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, you know, but I think he did an amazing job. I, he's a good actor. He just uh, didn't. There wasn't anything really worthwhile for him to do, which is, you know, sad. I mean, I'm not a fan of the series. I love the first one. Um, of course, it exists within the Wanniverse. So, of I, yeah. <laughs> Goes with that thing again, man. Come on. Now. That it is a thing. I'm making it a thing. Stop acting like it's not. <laughs> but I uh, I absolutely love the first one. I mean, I will never forget the moment we get to the end of the first film when Jigsaw stood up. I know. I flipped my shit. Iconic. Like, I just, I stood up and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was one of the greatest horror movie moments in probably the past 15 years when he absolutely. stood up at the end of that movie. Oh, yes. totally. It was uh, it was a real game changer. Absolutely. Change the face of horror. Like, movies nowadays would be, like, the collection and all those kind of films. You wouldn't have those without Saw, for sure. Yeah, yeah it was incredible. And my roommate, because when, when we, like, when you think you've figured out who the killer is, when you think it's the guy who's, like, kidnapped the mom and the daughter, and she fell asleep. And, well, more accurately, she took a weed nap right, <laughs> right next to me. And, um... So she missed the very, very end. So when he stood up, I jumped to my feet and I was like, what the fuck? And she's kind of waking up. She's like, what's happening? What's happening? And I'm like, he's the guy. He's right there. And she's like, what? I mean, she was so confused. <laughs> but I was just, I was, I mean, you, I mean, I don't know. You could have just, I, it, it was insane. I, I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. It was an amazing moment. So well done. Absolutely. I like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the series, but the first Saw movie, because I mean, you have to admit, everything was watered down in the 2000s. There was just nothing that really stood out. And that movie just completely brought gore back into horror and just that that really good twist. 
Yeah, and in that film, it had a, the the gore had a purpose, and it was I mean it was supposed like the moment where he's sawing off his own foot. You're I mean, you feel that. You're oh freaking yeah, you out. do. You know, I mean, I'm over there. Why don't you just throw your shirt and pull the phone to you? Like, I don't understand why you're sawing off your foot right now. <laughs> but at, but I get it. Like his his you know his family's in danger, and this is the only thing he can do. And I mean, that's a real that's a very real visceral moment, and it's cringy as fuck. But it's it should be. You know, it's I don't know. I just think everything about that film is brilliant and amazing. And then. It just as the series went on, I, I feel like they kind of said, "Well, here's some more gore, and here's some more traps. That's all we have at this point." As it kept going, well, I just think each I movie feel like after the first one became more and more of a caricature. Mm. I feel like the writers feel like it's a lot cleverer than it actually is, especially yeah, with far. Jigsaw. <laughs> like ninety percent of the plot was the "Is he dead? Is he not dead?" And I'm like, we literally watched him die on screen there was no we also saw his autopsy you ain't coming back from that. We, you're not gonna make me doubt the fact that like that's, that's not happening okay so so what are we actually working with in this film nothing okay cool carry on <laughs> exactly well, that's another point i have with that is how many apprentices and uh acolytes do this guy have it's like every two or three movies they break out some other worshiper of jigsaw who's trying to carry on to work. And it's like, I mean, this guy was franchising. He had more, you know, setups than McDonald's did. It's just, it's crazy. This would work. Yeah, I think I might have, like, signed an iTunes agreement that meant that I'm now working for him as well. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you have to read that small print. (laughs) (laughs) Don't agree to the terms and conditions unless you read the small print. (laughs) Or unless you're willing to decapitate somebody. Right. Well, there you go. If you are willing to do that, then that's fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that Pepsi challenge uh, trap in the next movie or, you know. Oh, God. It's like in, in the jar, there is a bologna sandwich. You have to taste it and decide if it is store-bought or generic, you know, or something like that. You know, the mayonnaise, <laughs> you know. And finally, to cap off everything I watched, ended up watching basket case with the nfw crew yeah, and i missed that one. Oh my god i have so much love for that movie it's just goofy as all hell the effects are terrible but it's charming at the same time uh, i agree with that you know who else loves that movie is alex which kind of surprises me i don't know why but alex edwards loves basket case well i mean I like just, i said there's a charm to it it's oh there is you could tell they were really, really trying to make the best possible movie they possibly could with, what, like $75,000? And I was reading kind of the the trivia about the movie, and the wad of cash that he's carrying around is basically the budget of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was it's a charming movie, and I also finished up 13 Reasons Why. And, yeah, it pretty much caps off reading, and that's about all I've been watching. But my favorite thing about Basket Case... It has nothing to, in, in a basket case movie. It's the scene in Brain Damage where you see... What's the main character in basket case's name? Belial no, and Belial? Dwayne. Yeah, you, oh. see, you see Dwayne on the train with the basket. And he's staring at the, 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 the main character in Brain Damage and he just looks very uneasy with that box shaking while he's on the train. 
I, lo I love that little cameo and then the Helen the Helen Lauder uh, mythos there. It's good stuff. <laughs> Whereas Jamie would say the Helen Lauder verse. Oh, no, go. I wouldn't because it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. Wannaverse works. Okay. Stop <laughs> making fun of me. Oh my gosh. Try not to. I'm sorry. I am the master of the Wannaverse. You're the master of the Wannaverse. You're a master of all you survey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am the master of my domain. I was going to say that, that next. Yes. <laughs> master of your own domain. Yes. There's a 20 year old reference. <laughs> People still get it, I think. I don't care if they do or not. <laughs> that was, I was never a big Seinfeld watcher, but that episode is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was brilliant. I love it when Kramer just walks in, slaps his money on the table, and walks right back out. He's like, <laughs> yep. yep, I'm a loser. <laughs> uh, what have I ever watched? I've watched a lot of Star Trek lately for some reason because I watched... I, I skipped the first movie because he wants to watch that, but I watched Wrath of Khan because it had a birthday or something, an anniversary or something, a pretty big one, and I, I decided to turn it on for... for Just turn it on. It's, it's Wrath of Khan. That Ricardo Montalban is uh is amazing. <laughs> that, I love his dynasty hair in that movie. Oh, I know. I, I love that, I love his booming that, his his booming chest pelt there. It, it's massive. It's a uh, just stick, yeah, I mean, sticking I, out of the uniform. Okay, what I don't get now is do all men wax their chest now because you just don't get those glorious man pelts anymore. Mm, I don't. That means anything to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm basically a, a male Sasquatch when it comes to that thing. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I followed it up like, like Good Trekkie with uh, Part 3, Search for Spock, because, you know, you got to do that sometimes, and they're, they're connected and, and as far as films goes. And to complete the How Spock Got His Groove Back trilogy, I, I watched uh, The Voyage Home, Part 4 as well. And uh, those are... Those, those, that's, huh, what's up? Oh, uh, that's Pat's favorite movie that's the one i've seen the most because they played it a ton on cable when i was younger so I, i'd watch it a lot yeah it's one of the first things when we started dating that he made me watch it were you, were you disappointed come on now well i wasn't a big star trek fan at the time i've grown to really appreciate it but i did not want to like blow my chances with him so i'm like oh yeah that was great <laughs> and watching it you know, a couple of years ago, it's like it's a great little movie. It's fun. That's so cute. You didn't want to blow your chances with him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get that though. I actually cannot stand horror films. This has all been a ruse, an elaborate ruse, so I so I could be with Brian. <laughs> You've been playing a long game. <laughs> I'm like Jigsaw. <laughs> She's got the foresight of Jigsaw, man. <laughs> That, I planned really far ahead. <laughs> that long, I don't know how many year con, just waiting for something uh, to happen, you know? Just like, just like Reagan sitting in the corner laughing, you know? <laughs> just waiting, waiting, waiting. You know what I just realized while you were talking about uh, start, your, that being the one you've watched the most mm -hmm. because it was on cable when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. Words that will not be spoken by no. the next generation. Yeah. Because kids don't sit around and watch movies on cable anymore. Nope. I just think that's interesting and kind of sad. And most of them don't watch anything older than they are. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I dated someone for like five minutes once, and then she said, I don't watch anything old, so I don't watch anything older than 2000. And I was like, oh. like ah. no, no. 
red flags everywhere. Yeah, and I abandoned her. <laughs> good There's for a you. That was a hole good in the move. wall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I followed up. I, I, I started to watch the original series on Netflix, and I've never watched the original series because that wasn't my captain, actually. I, I, I was a Next Generation kid, so if it didn't really in, in, involve Captain Picard and that crew, I, I wasn't, really wasn't watching it, which is why I got really excited when First Contact came out. It's probably still my second favorite Trek film of all time. Just just below Rathacon is that First Contact movie. They all turned to shit after that one. But that Wrath of Khan movie, that, that first contact film is something else. I uh, I really enjoy that still. But the original series, yeah, the episodes are, are almost an hour long, and I think they work okay in that format, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. But they tend to meander about three-quarters of the way through until you get to the conclusion, and I think it could have benefited from a, from a shorter a shorter form series than the hour version that they were going for. I think they may have had a, they may have fulfilled that five year mission if that was the case. So I think it kind of hurt it just slightly because they only got three years before it got canceled. Uh, thing, thing. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think that a lot of times it it feels like they're they're re- trying really hard to stretch it out, and so it can you can get fatigue watching yeah. them sometimes because it's just like all right, let's go, you know. So I I don't disagree with that. I think it would have been nicer if it moved along at a faster clip or, you know, shorter episodes. They started writing in, you know, Shatner banging women from different planets just as filler. Oh, as Eddie Murphy would say, if the bitch is green, there's something wrong with the pussy. You know, come on. Oh, Eddie Murphy. You still make me laugh to this day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, With the pilot, the pilot, you had Captain Pike in there doing his thing with Spock and a whole nother crew. But then you get that, that episode in the middle of the first season, that the two-part uh, menagerie episode, which basically recaps everything that happened in the pilot, because Spock wants to take the now battle-damaged Captain Pike back to that planet to live out a fantasy that he's still uh, uh, able to do things, but he's really uh, a guy who's <laughs> basically in a coma rolling around in a mechanized uh, cart. and uh, But, yeah, I, I, there's, there's still... Like, I, I try to watch that two-part episode. Like, this is just what happened in the pilot, and I, I got really out of it. And I was like, are people fooled by this back in the 1960s? I, I don't think so. I'll tell you one thing I wasn't fooled by, though, was uh, Lieutenant Uhura with her green hoops and her short skirt. I, I, I was all in for that all day long. I know that this is a big old you know, jumping point for African-American women in, in television. This is the first one that was on, was on TV that wasn't a service person or a maid or anything like that. That was a big deal, but she looked fucking hot back in them days. Even even, even Star Trek <laughs> V, when she was doing the fan dance when she was older, I was like, that's that's still pretty hot, you know. Still uh, s- still watch it, yeah. And that's at the beginning wow. of the film, so you don't got to watch the whole thing, see. It's just, just cut it off, <laughs> Well, a couple of years ago for Christmas, this was before streaming was really a thing. I bought Pat a couple of the seasons of Star Trek, and it was in the middle of a particularly nasty winter. It was just bitter cold out. You didn't want to do anything. You wanted to go from the car to the to your house and never leave. So we were we were bored, and we were ended up watching a few episodes. So we tried to turn it into a drinking game. Mm. So every time we said start eight, like all right, drink. And we added a few other things, but yes, 
the Star Trek drinking game. Watch one episode and you can come up with several different ways to make it fun. Oh, I finally watched uh, Hell in High Water with, uh, again, it's Star Trek Connected, because Chris Pine is in this movie as uh, one of the brothers, him and Ben Foster are brothers in this film, and they rob banks from, from the same the same uh, bank company, I guess, to, to to pay off the back mortgage of their farm is what I gather. There, there's a lot of talking in this film, and like a lot of unnecessary talking, <laughs> but that's basically the gist of it. And Jeff and Jeff Bridges is the, the of course the country sheriff who's you know looking at looking for them, and you know Ben Foster he's always playing the wild card of these movies and he's gonna get killed and you know you're not disappointed it it's it's just it's it's a movie that's trying to be a really good movie, but it's it's really it's really just Ben Foster and Chris Pine robbing banks and and being hillbillies and and Jeff Bridges collecting a paycheck you know in that, in that movie. <laughs> He's just collecting a check in that movie, and I'm, I'm not mad at him, you know, but <laughs> it's basically him playing Rooster Cogburn, but in a modern setting, and uh, that that and that's fine. It's a it's a good looking film, I'll give it that, but I, I wouldn't recommend somebody run out to go watch it. Like, this is the same person. Oh shoot, I wanted to see it. That's sad. That's no, sad it's, to hear. it's good. It, it's just not great. I didn't think Sicario was all that great, which was the same director as this movie. I, I seen Sicario in the theater. And apparently there's a sequel I'll probably never watch, but people thought that was, like, super good, too. So your, your opinion may totally differ from mine. You, you may really dig it. You tend to be a hell of a lot more lenient than I am, though, Gary, so... Oh, I'm just saying, it's, <laughs> it's not a bad movie. It's just certain stuff like the Jeff Bridges thing collected a paycheck. It really is, like, yeah, just him playing the same parts he played in, like, four other movies. In, uh, no, I'm. I can get. I can get behind Jeff Bridges collecting a paycheck just because I like him so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> He's one of those guys, uh, like the Liam Neeson thing, like like the Hawk mentioned. Uh, and uh, we're getting. We're, and that, that's not really a new thing, by the way, Hawk. If you, if you grew up in the '80s, I'm sure you watched these Death Wish films and all these all these Chuck Norris films. We're doing a lot of canon films now on on the little uh, the subset show. And, um... These are just old farts who are over the hill. Like, let's give them stuff to do where they don't have to do much of anything but blow up Richard Lynch with a rocket launcher. And, you know... Yeah, it's not so much that. It's more the fact that, like, apart from the occasional movie for Liam Neeson, Toby Stephen especially, though, they're not, like, action movie people. Mm -hmm. They do all these, like, really serious British, like, kitchen sink dramas, Mm -hmm. and then suddenly... They're like ripped and doing American accents and holding guns, and I'm like, "What?" A second ago, you oh. were like floating about with a silk handkerchief in Sense yeah. and Sensibility. I don't. <laughs> How did my, this happen? <laughs> my biggest thing, is, Love Actually, is one of my favorite holiday movies. It just, it's, it puts me in a good mood. And yeah. seeing him in that, and then to what, what the hell, the the commuter or whatever the hell that was. I'm like, this just does not work for me. Oh, I heard it was bad. Yeah, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't even watch that. I heard it was terrible. Like, I imagine that one... 30 movies where Liam Neeson plays that guy from Love Actually. Yeah. And then suddenly, it just blows people. my mind. It's like, what, why? who looked at him and went, yeah, yeah, let's get him to saw some people in half. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't. There are just some actors I just can't make that leap with. And Liam Neeson, I can't watch him in movies like that because it just, it does, it really, there's a big disconnect in my brain. I, I think one of the biggest uh, <laughs> offenders of the let's tack an American accent onto our British actor 
was in that Lost in Space movie, which I don't hate. It's back to Lost in Space again. But he plays the older Will Robinson, um, Jared Harris, the the actor. <laughs> but they, they slap, like, a an American, like, overdub on him. I guess because Will Robinson <coughs> is an American. And they don't want the older, older Will Robinson to be British. But why would you just pick an American actor to play the role? I, I don't, I don't understand it. But it's, it's like probably the weirdest one I ever knew was that right there. Well, what about the Mummy? Like the Mummy Returns is like this ten-year-old, properly English, toff of a kid, just like, oh, I'm so English. And then in the third one, he's suddenly like a mini Ben Fraser. Yes. Like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> and I really, I really think that third one's over underrated because. You got, like, Sasquatches in there, or Yetis in the movie doing stuff, and that's pretty badass. But, uh, as far as Jet Li as the Chinese mummy goes, it's not very good, but... Yeah, Michelle Yeoh's in it, though, and I love her. Yeah, she's really great. Everything's great with that, and, uh, but the the whole Dragon Emperor thing was pretty stupid. But yeah. Michelle Yeoh and Yetis for the win on that action right there, and, uh... Now she's the only woman that Jackie Chan will allow to do her own stunts, so I'm like, respect. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else, really? Oh, we watched Savage Weekend for, for two drink. We did two drink, finally. Two drink, two drink, minimum commentaries, finally. And uh, Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, wait, I was really, really drunk but oh, by the time we started the movie. You, you need some drinks for that movie, because that's basically pornography. Yeah, <laughs> it was basically a Skinamax movie with... A little bit of a slasher thrown in with no actual slashing. But it's enter- it's entertaining as hell, though. I can't explain these things, but uh, must have been all the boobs and the 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 the, uh, the incidental uh, bush in that movie. I don't know. It it, it was really sleazy, and I kind of liked it for that. I gotta watch it again just to watch it with audio. That just to hear probably the one plot twist that I missed. <laughs> um. So that's real fine. Um, not much else, really, um, to speak of. I was supposed to go see Incredibles 2. That didn't happen because I got a new friend in the house. And, uh, it's a little two-month-old black cat with uh, brown stripes on top, which are real sharp. Uh, name, name, a, name a Shade. Shade is a... Uh, She's so cute. I know. I love black cats. She looks like baby cat. Yeah. Aw, that's so cute. Shade is uh, running the show after one day. I I I, I forget the uh, I, I can't, I had a cat in a long time, but when she's lazy, she's lazy. But when you know, <laughs> when she's on, she's on. I I came home today from work because she she pretty much had it covered and she was caught but behind my computer monitor next to my Marv statue. She couldn't get out. I was like, see, <laughs> see you're fucking around, see cat, you know. She, she, she'll learn, but, um... She won't, though. She won't. <laughs> but our dog, Harley, one of our dogs, uh, the Puggle, has kind of adopted her as as her mother because she is real uh, uneasy about letting the, the male Chihuahua <laughs> t- towards her at all. But at the same time, <laughs> if the male Chihuahua comes towards her, she, 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 uh, she gives him the business. But she she constantly giving Harley uh, like headbutts and stuff and brushing up against her whatever she sees her so she she's she's your typical uh, conniving woman she she's got she's got Harley on lock already and uh, as her 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 canine protector so I think I, th- I think she, I think she'll be all right <laughs> to tell you the truth 
Oh, so that's that's been an experience for a day or so. We'll, we'll see see how the rest of her life goes. But um, ah, yeah, that's about it for me though. Um, next segment is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't order fries. Beef. Mine's the juke deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Alright, Doc, the way this works is, is uh, the, the only thing, it, the, the, there's nothing off limits here, but basically, if something is uh, eating at you, you know, making you angry about anything that's going on in life, the media, whatever, you just lay it all out here, you know, and then, uh, so I say go for it. What's beefing you? Am I going first? Oh, yes. fucking hell. Uh, oh, lots of things in my personal life which i probably shouldn't talk about on the internet um and then there's the whole (laughs) there's the whole brexit thing which we hear nothing like it's ridiculous i i don't know how how much you guys know about brexit i haven't heard anything about it in a long time so i assume that you know it's it's calmed down but probably not well see that's the thing nothing has happened at all it's been like two years since the vote and we're still in the same place but it's in the news constantly. Mm. Like, all day, every day, there will be at least one segment on Brexit and how we're pushing for a hard Brexit and Theresa May is a disaster, but she still has a job because nobody else wants to do it. (laughs) But nothing is happening. So I just, I really want someone to just be like, you know what, guys, should we just give up and go home? Let's just say we made a mistake. Let's, we don't want to do this because nobody does. But we're just doing it out of sheer bloody mindedness. Like someone's dared us to do something really stupid. And we know it's stupid, but we said we're not chicken, so we fucking have to do it. <laughs> Maybe they figure if they wait long enough, then everyone will just forget. Although you can't really forget if the news won't stop talking about it. But well, that's the thing, exactly. And the it's British just, media oh, so is is—they're a bunch of bloodhounds. I mean, <laughs> they just grab onto something. Rather, pit bulls, I guess, is more like it. They grab onto something and they will not let go. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, everyone talks about our media over here, but honestly, you guys put us to shame over there. Kind of nuts. No, I mean, well, it's not you. I mean, but I mean, it's just. No, I'm taking personal offense to this now. So, yeah. (laughs) So, that's kind of what's going on. Well, and I mean, okay, ours is. Or ours is a whole. I'm talking like pre Trump and all it. Like, take all of that crap out of the. Take all of that media storm business out of the picture. But I just mean, historically. Um, it's like, for instance, the British paparazzi, they're all in. I mean, they go, oh, yeah. all, they go all in. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, I mean, I mean, they don't let up, but anyway, so, um, what I was, my original point was maybe if maybe they're thinking if we just don't do anything for a while, maybe everyone will forget we did this and then we can just yeah. kind of go, Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was never a thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause like. David Cameron was the prime minister at the time, and then everyone voted Brexit, and he just went, "Well, I don't want to do this, so I'll see you 
I'll later. And he just fucked off. So then Theresa May became prime minister for no reason. Like nobody voted for it. It just kind of happened. And she's the first female prime minister we've had since Maggie Thatcher. So I'm just like, great. This is a great follow up. We're really, really setting a good stance for female prime ministers right now. This is going so well, you know, and her whole cabinet is against her. Like nobody in her own room agrees with her and they're just sat behind her like this is a stupid idea you're a stupid bitch and you've got stupid shoes which the news keeps talking about and we don't <laughs> so yeah and it's just it's literally like we get 30 seconds of looking into the house of commons at a load of middle-aged white men yelling at each other and Theresa may just kind of sitting in the middle of it going mommy i want to go home now <laughs> Stop looking at my shoes. You know the British. Yeah, literally. You know the... Don't get mad at me because they're comfortable. You know, you know the British. Well, no, she wears stilettos. She wears like leopard print stilettos and stuff. So everyone's like, damn, what a slit. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really got to go look up her shoes now. You know, everyone's Do it. all over Melania for her shoes, too. Maybe they should get together. Like, they should form a thing. <laughs> a support group for Trump first started running, and it, the, I was just surfing through the news, and I quick glanced her name. I swear to God, I thought her name was Melanoma. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> that, that yeah, I can see that. That's yeah, so it's like From that point forward, I call her Melanoma Trump. That's fair. <laughs> Molly Russell's wart. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever become like something, I'm going to come in there in flip-flops and board shorts. I'll be like the I'll be like the Mr. Shoop on on summer school of of elected leaders. Just, uh, it's like yeah, say something now, you know. Come on now, guy. Even you 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 know the news is even catty when they talk about the woman's shoes in the news openly. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Like there'll be a three page article about her, and like ninety percent of it will be she spent a thousand pounds on these leather trousers, and then at the end it'll be kind of and she's still doing something about Brexit, but we don't really know what because she won't tell us. because she doesn't really know what either and you know it's just all about the slogans Uh, you probably have the same thing in politics over there at the minute it's all like we're getting a brexit that england deserves and we're pushing for a hard brexit and it's all about getting the government to do the job they were elected to do and it's just that on repeat constantly but no actual context in our country it's Look! Look what Trump just did! Rubble, 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 rubble. Look what this one did! Rubble, 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 rubble. There's no conclusion. They they just they just rabble all day long, and you know, and then they send Dennis Rodman to Singapore for no good reason. And uh, yeah, that was just fucking ridiculous. That's all they find interviews. Dennis Rodman, a crying Dennis Rodman, crying that he can't go home. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you got out of this this Singapore. Uh, conference with with North Korea is a crying Dennis Rodman interview and nothing else. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. Suzanne, what's beeping you, girl? Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, found out Monday we have until July 31st to find a new place to live. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's not, just... not much notice. No. And the thing is, it, we, at one point, we were considering buying this place. And when we started talking about it this year, 
everybody got squirrely about it. So I'm like, you know, we've been friends with the people that we're renting from for years before we moved in here. And, you know, it's like if things were going that badly, um, don't you think maybe out of friendship, a heads up like February might have been nice. So now we are are scrambling, which is we are going to pretty much drive around the neighborhood and look at what's for sale and what's for rent around here. Um, and I appreciate all of my friends telling me that, you know, maybe this is just for the best and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it just doesn't feel like it. I appreciate the support, but it's maybe it will be for the best. But right now it doesn't feel like it. I am being my entire life is in complete upheaval and I am doing my best to be less angry every day because I I just went from shock to sheer I hate everything in everyone I was I had to when I ran to the store I ran to the closest store because if I spent any time on the road somebody cut me off I was going to follow them and beat them to death this is how bad my temper started raging I'm hoping that everything does work out for the best but right now I am so fucking mad and I'm mad at everything. Well, we love you, Sue. That means that that's any consolation, you know? Oh, I know. I appreciate it. Everybody's been really supportive. But I just feel, as at last night, it was just defeats. I'm so sorry. I really am. That's shitty. It is yeah, shitty. Yeah, sucks a lot. Man. But that is my beef bitch. Sorry. Brian, you got anything good for us, man? What, what are you beefing on, sir? Well, nothing that serious. Damn. But, uh, I've got... Here we go. <laughs> we, um, have a, we have a joint beef today. Yeah, we can share this one, I guess. And if anyone has been paying attention to the Facebook posts we've made here and there, then you probably, you'll probably know what's coming. <laughs> I notice a trend that's coming up from people... Who are clearly and obviously not horror fans. It's the term prestige horror. Yeah. I noticed. I noticed it uh, earlier this week. Just in random, somebody did an article: the ten prestige horror films you need to watch before you die, or something. Well, if you it was if you like Hereditary, you oh, love okay. these too. These that was it. Other prestige horror. And I was like, what the hell is prestige horror? And it was a pretty good list. I mean, there's, like any internet list, there's movies I would have substituted and stuff. But, you know, whatever. It was the expected, though. You know, Rosemary's Baby, The yeah. Omen, The Babadook. It's the ones that would probably, you could conjure in your mind if someone said, name some prestige horror films, even though this is not a term that was ever used before. <laughs> you could know, you could... Probably figure it out. Then there was a second article about horror has evolved from slashers to dramas or something like that. And again, oh, I dropped... think I read that article. Yeah, it was from Vice. Yeah, they uh... and that sent me into a tailspin. Boy, was I pissed! Once again, though, they dropped <laughs> the term prestige horror, so it's a thing now. I guess I didn't know that. Um. And it really pisses me off because both these articles, if you read them, and you know horror. If you are a horror fan, you can always tell when other people aren't. 
but they're trying to pretend. They're trying to, I'm hip and with it. You know, uh, Psycho <laughs> was a masterpiece and The Shining. It's like, yes, everybody knows those movies. Even if you're not a horror fan, you know those movies. And that's why you picked them. But it's so clear you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Especially with this idea of, well, now horror has grown up. Now it's serious. Now it can be taken seriously. It's not the bastard redhead stepchild of the cinema anymore. It's not just one slight step above porn. In recent years, horror has grown a brain yes. and maturity. And, you know, basically oh, that, I, that made me hit the roof. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in this, the, the Vice article was basically saying that, I mean, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but at one point, the gist was basically now filmmakers are tricking horror fans into watching deeper things and into watching things that are actually dramas yeah. by disguising them as horror films. To which both of us say, fuck off. Like, you clearly have no idea what you're talking about if you think for one second that horror has just now grown a brain and maturity. Like, you have no idea. I mean, the very title of the article, How Horror Evolved from Slasher to Drama, just reading the title alone, I was like, what the fuck? And then so, and Brian's like, just read it, just read it. And I was like, all right. So I did, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, I turned to him like, have you read this? He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, keep going. And I was fuming, fuming. Through the whole thing, because, you know, I realize guy who wrote this article is clearly not aware, but we've been doing this for about 100 years and horror has always had something to say. And there have always been mature themes, adult themes and, you know, deep, interesting stories. Not every horror film, but not every comedy does either. But some of them do, you know, and no one, you know makes a big deal out of making a distinction between, you know, the goofy comedies or the more intelligent comedies. You don't hear anyone talk about prestige comedy. They just call it British. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like something, some millennial hipster asshat. Like it, you know, when I was growing up, it was called classic. I mean, there are some classic titles. Well, but sure. Prestige, yeah, that, that's some well, millennial hipster of, bullshit. Yeah, and it sort of implies that it's a that you know that this is a rarity. Yeah, you know what that this these is films is some are special. And I'm like, I love them. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I I haven't enjoyed the films of recent years. I've been nuts about them. But it's not like this has never been done. You know, he's he goes on to talk about how, you know, you know, films like The Babadook tackled grief and loss. Well, that's been done before. And I'm not saying The Babadook wasn't amazing. I loved it. But it has been done before. Many, many, many times. And it's just they didn't invent these things. They're doing them well, but they didn't invent them. I can say there's stuff that I wouldn't have watched when I was 14 that I would definitely, that I watch now, that I I know that I wouldn't have enjoyed at 14, like The Entity or The Changeling. At 14, I would have been switched off. Whoa, how could you not enjoy The Entity at 14? I'm just saying, movies movies like that, if they weren't... You got ghost titty sucking, that's awesome. If they weren't cutting people's heads off at 14, I probably wasn't digging it, you know? Yeah, I I dropped uh, the 55 bucks on the big-ass 
changeling box thing with the poster and this the the soundtrack and the pins. What you got here are people who are clearly they think horror is beneath them. They think horror is those silly movies about a masked man with a knife running through the woods chasing teenagers in their underwear. <laughs> yeah, all, all yeah, yeah, go hit your vape and shut the fuck up. But it's like, as much as I love the heyday of 80s silly horror, and I really, really do, there's always been smart horror. Hell, the 70s were full of Adult horror movies made by adults for adults. The whole teen market really didn't happen until, well, the rise of the slashers. And now we're just going back to that. And that's a great and wonderful thing. But it's not like some, you know, brand new, well, this has never happened before. It's not so intellectual douchebags can suddenly feel okay with watching a horror film. You know, I don't like horror. They're so silly and they're so stupid. But this, this is different. This, this is actually a drama. They just disguise it as horror because, you know, that sells. But this is actually a thinking man's movie. Ooh. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you sideways, you stupid, pretentious asshat. Because the irony is that the only reason they're watching these movies is because, like, big names are getting attached to them now. Yes. Like, oh, I don't watch horror movies. Like, oh, you don't watch these indie films that no one else wants to see, you hipster fuck? But you'll watch this one because it has Tom Hanks in it or whatever? Okay, yeah, sure. Tell me again how you're individual. (laughs) You know, they need to go back and you want some, you know, intellectual adult horror. I mean, you go to Burnt Offerings. Oh, yeah. You know, um, the Mephisto oh, yeah. Waltz. Um, you know what? Even look at something like, and it's heavy on the gore, but look at something like Dawn of the Dead. That's an, that's a very intelligent film, and he had something to say. The fucking crazies. Uh, I mean, it's it's all over. It has always been all There's over. There's so many examples you can cite. It's sickening. Go back. Oh, he he. What was the one that he said for paranoia? Um, I don't remember. Oh, the witch. He name checked the witch for paranoia. And I'm like, okay. What about invasion of the body snatchers? Yeah, Either invasion one. Invasion was Pick I one. Think, a much what better ab- representation sure. of paranoia. What about what about the thing? Yeah, the thing How is nothing that? but straight up paranoia. You know, or even the thing from another world, which I guess is a little more sci-fi, but um. There's a, you know, you've still had that element in there. This, the thing is, is they're acting like it's something new and exciting. And you well, know, because we actually had some representation finally. Well, not even for the first time. I mean, if you remember way back in the 70s, again, uh, The Exorcist was represented in the Oscars. Okay, not for Best Picture or Actor or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah, it was Dick Smith won. But it was there. But this time we had Guillermo del Toro's. Okay, Shape of Water. I don't know if it's a horror movie, but it's a monster movie. It's a genre film. Yes. No, it's sure. I, it's yeah, get out. That is straight yeah, up get fantasy. Out. They, 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 yeah, I would call it fantasy too. They, they, yeah, they I, had the name check Get Out. Too. So I didn't read this article. But it is. A, I mean, it is a fantasy film. It's a straight up fantasy film, but it's a genre picture. So I mean, you're it's, getting these. It's you're getting these movies that people are taking notice, and now they're. It's almost like okay, well. Now we can deal with it. Now it's proper enough for us to mention something. Whereas before, and again, it, because it's Guillermo del Toro, it's palatable. Yes, exactly. It has it's to artistic. have a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm getting sick of that. I mean, granted, I love, love, love the movie Chopping Mall. 
I'm not going to say that's an artistic it's masterpiece. Always the example. <laughs> well, because it's one of the. It is a deep down silly, stupid movie. I realize that, but I love it so. Actually, I use that example in my post because I think even that had something to say. It oh, still, um, you know. Well, my usually example has always been the Deadly Spawn. Oh, that great one. <laughs> that is my go-to just for shits and giggles, happy place horror movie. It's got no substance, but it's so much fun to watch. I've watched it so much I could practically recite it. And you tell me how that has less value just because it's a horror film than, say, like, Hangover 3. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well just- exactly. And that's the thing is no one – I mean uh, – <laughs> It's infuriating. I it is, and I it constantly – It does infuriate me because I'm like, welcome to horror, motherfucker. The rest of us, are we're aware that this stuff goes on. We've been aware for a very long time. But why don't you step away from our genre? Because you clearly haven't given enough of a fuck to give it any of your consideration. So leave it to the people who care about it. It's like you're not smart or deep. You're just slow. You're slow to catch up with us. You're really far behind the rest of the horror community. This is something we knew decades ago. That's why I, he's a millennial, because it took yeah. him till this this fucking millennium to That's get it. I grew up, ah, I yes. mean, five, six, seven years old, watching The Twilight Zone with my mother. You yeah, know, horror well, has yeah. always been a part of my life. And as I've gotten older, I mean, even from the time I was 15, 16, it's like, this is my beloved genre. And sometimes it's very hard to have conversations with people. I like all kinds of movies, but horror is my love. Mm. It is yes. what I always go to. There's so much more going on. Everybody just thinks it's blood and guts, and it's not. No, of course it's not, and that's what we love about it. And that's what I have spent, Jesus, how long have I been doing this? 15 years, the last 15 years of my life, trying to pummel into Normie's heads is that You have to pay attention. And that's the thing is no one pays attention. They just brush it aside. The word horror is attached. It's beneath me. I don't want anything to do with it. It's, you know, it's nothing but blood and guts. Well, you clearly don't know anything about it then, do you? So why don't you keep your trap shut or take a moment and try to learn something? Because I guarantee you, if you gave it a little bit of time and consideration, you'd see that there's a lot more going on. And horror has always been the genre to be the first one to say anything about any shit that's going on in society or in the world. It's just we do it through a different lens. We do it through a lens that is more relatable. And I mean, just that goes all the way back to the giant bug movies of the 1950s when people were freaked out about nuclear power, when people were every time anything has freaked out anything or anyone in society, look to the horror films, look to the horror stories, because that's where that's when you're going to find out what's really been going on. Horror, is horror a, has its finger on the pulse. Horror is a litmus test for what is going on in society. Always has been. I mean, you can gauge how well the culture is doing and what fears are on everyone's mind by watching the horror films that come out. They, they're, they're cyclical. Cyclical. What is it? Cyclical. Thank you. Cyclical. Um, they follow trends. There's an ebb and flow. I mean, there's a science to it if you really want to get all hoity-toity about it. But even just forget all that. Good horror movies is not a new thing. And that's the thing I'm taking umbrage with these morons. 
It's this idea that it used to be stupid, but now there's actually some brains into and it. And they're not really horror films. Yeah, they're, they're actually dramas. dramas. <laughs> Dumbass. That goes back to uh, Silence of the Lambs and, oh, that's not a horror movie. That's a thriller. It is a thriller. Because it's a slasher it won... movie. No, it's a thriller because it won Oscars. No horror movie will ever no win. No one wanted to use the H word back then. You know that. It just, oh, it's... I know. It was a dirty word. It still is a dirty word. Oh, yeah. But just now it's getting some small bit of respect that it's been due for so long. And these people just can't understand that. So it must be something different. It must not really be horror. And I'm the first one to admit, there are some garbage horror films out there. There are some where just somebody takes a camera, goes and throws ketchup around and, oh, it's a horror movie. But, yeah, I mean, there's, but I mean, with every genre and type of film, there is that movie where somebody yeah. just grabbed a camera and threw some shitty lines out there. But yeah, there horror, are plenty of moron the comedies out there that are not funny at all. But they say dick and fart a few times and he comedy. Uh, like, like going back to Saw, like tell me honestly that if a movie had that massive amount of effect, that shock value that we have literally never seen this before, did not see it coming, like amazing, game changing moment in movie history. If that was in a drama or a comedy or whatever, that would have won a million Oscars. Well, yeah, but because it's a horror it film. It's, yeah. like, forgotten already. I mean, how many times when a really amazing uh, horror films come out, and we're like, God, they, you know, they, they really deserve an Oscar for that. They really deserve some recognition for that. But you know it's not going to happen. No, you know, no, never. sadly, I mean, Get Out got some recognition, which I think it fully deserved. I love that film. I think Jordan Peele did an excellent job. But, you know, even that was labeled as a pol- like what is it? A, political social, a social thriller. Yeah, a social yeah. thriller. You know, fuck and you. Like, it's a straight on. up horror movie. I, I, I do, but again, it's got names attached to it. It's suddenly relevant. You know, well, because yeah, Catherine Keener's is in it, it's suddenly okay. Ultimately, I don't care because this doesn't affect me when it comes right down to it. Um, I'm still gonna watch the movies I always watched. Uh, you're not changing my mind. You're not hipping me to anything that I didn't know about. But it is insulting. It is insulting to me and every horror fan out there who, you know. And again, if you like just the all I like is zombie movies, all I like is, you know, the guinea pig torture movies, all I like is whatever your <laughs> flavor is, power to you. But this this recent trend of art house horror as is also called the prestige horror is nothing new. Quit making it sound like this is a brand new, like, you know, finally horror has come up, up from out of the gutter because fuck you. It never was in the gutter. Yeah, you could always point it's to insulting. movies that you're proud of. It's insulting to the fans. It's insulting to the genre and it's insulting to the filmmakers out there who, who try really hard to tell good fucking stories and the ones for years that no one paid attention to. Because they I, were... I think that's why fans are so intense in the horror genre. I mean, not so much now, but sci-fi as well. You know, we have horror conventions. We have sci-fi conventions. People dress up and really fully commit to this genre. And I think that's because that is the only recognition these people who've worked so hard are ever going to get. 
we want them to know how appreciated they are because they're never going to win an Oscar. They're never going to get a BAFTA or anything like that. But they have scores of people that want them to know, hey, they may say that this is a load of shit for no reason because they haven't seen it. But we fucking love you and we're right behind you. Well, this yes. I don't know if this is really relevant or not, but like I said, I I love my my horror film collection. I'm always buying DVDs and Blu-rays to add to my collection. How many people collect comedies for their collection and <laughs> display them proudly or dramas? <laughs> exactly. What sort of no. special edition special edition box sets do you get? Of Sophie's Choice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get I mean, any figurines for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know when we're here, she is with one kid. Like, here, she's with the other kid. <laughs> and all of us, you know, when you buy something, you know, the first thing you check out, ooh, what are the special features? Yes, ooh. yes. And we still buy, which is why they still we have Scream and we have Severin and we have Synops and we have Arrow. They and they once again truly love the genre and we love them for it because we. Still buy movies. That's well, that's we a have good three point. And four copies of Dawn of the Dead yeah. or Jaws. I've got or... eight copies of Suspiria. But you know that's a good point. We have Scream. We have Synapse. We have all these specialty Blu-ray production houses that, by and large, focus on horror more than anything else. Is there a Ha Ha House that focuses nothing on comedy? <laughs> nope. Is there like? crybaby house which is nothing but dramas i mean nope. horror and that's something that has always perplexed the movie moguls also you don't have any comedy boxes out there like subscription boxes either yeah you know? yeah you know, there's yeah. no box so funny that comes to your house every month <laughs> but that's something that is always like the the movie industry has always they don't get it and they hate it but goddamn horror movies keep making money the fans love them. I mean, there's that classic uh, tale of Paramount hating, hating, hating the Friday the 13th series. But they loved the money you made. But they were so ashamed of it. They were so like, ew, it's that dirty little slasher film. But uh, made how much money? Well, I guess we'll make another one then. It's, it is such a sick, twisted love-hate relationship. Well, it's like an abusive. It is. Uh, you know, I don't know, like a. No, it's basically a pimp and a hooker kind of situation. Yeah, oh, you just there go, you go on the street there you go. and you make me some money. And if you, you don't show me the money, I'm going to beat your ass. Or the guy who like is all over his girlfriend when they're alone. And then as soon as his friends show up, he yeah. makes fun of her, you know? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. I'm only with her because she cooks but this for me also, and buys me things. This also trends into other uh, uh, areas. Um, some may know that I'm a writer. I write horror. I consider myself a horror writer, but that has <laughs> all, sense. but that has always been a dirty, uh, word. Oh yeah. Well, when people ask me, what does your husband do? And I say, well, he's an, an author and an editor. I'm like, Oh really? What does he write? Horror. Yeah. It's like, Oh, <laughs> Could he not write real stuff? Is he not yeah, good exactly. enough for that? <laughs> because you horror know, is so hard to write. No, well, no, horror is stupid, don't you know? It's for <laughs> the, the lowbrow. It's you know all about you know 
sex and blood and monsters and there's no artistic merit it takes no thought to do horror all you need to do is describe people dying in vicious horrible ways and you can be a horror writer too it's the same kind of mentality so every once in a while when you do get a book comes out where the mainstream picks up on it and they do herald it as something new they make all this the last one i can frequently remember that obviously remember i should say is uh scott smith the ruins and that was a long time ago. yeah but i mean like everybody gives stephen king uh slack because well he's stephen king i mean he Mm. is well yeah but i mean he could you know jot something down on a napkin and exactly you're gonna gonna sell you're gonna sell yeah but like when the ruins came out, it was like this. Well, is this horror? Is it you know smarter than that? It's like no, you fucking moron. <laughs> it's why horror writers and I'm only assuming probably filmmakers, like a lot of horror writers, they don't like to classify themselves as horror writers. Um, well, I mean, and that's the thing is like you on one hand as a fan, it's. It, it, it's upsetting to hear someone turn their back on the genre, but then it, you kind of have to understand it. Like you kind of have to get why they want to say their movie is a thriller versus a horror because it's, it's scary. It's scary because when someone sees horror attached to you, they don't want to give you any credence. They don't want to give you any credit and they just lump you in. You know, I don't know. I mean, I get the same thing whenever I talk about what I do. And it's like, if as soon as the hor- word horror comes up, it's just, oh. <laughs> I need to start oh. describing myself as a prestige horror writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I write prestige horror. Oh, oh, do you now? Well, that's oh. Don't make me have to. Hold on, let me hit my vape. <laughs> oh, that's nice. My vape. That's really nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, really? Why? Or I get the, why do you like that stuff? Yeah. Oh, I get that all you know, the time. Why do you not? You know, I mean, because it's there's some really brilliant, brilliant stories out there, and some of this stuff, a lot of it, taps right in to the human brain, taps right into our very basic fears and thought processes and yes grief and loss and mourning and depression and, and all the all other of these things that drama stories that have been masquerading as horror lately and there have been some brilliant stories in recent years but my point is there always have been yes and yeah. well, so. i just finished this book called december park and you know i just for some reason i've been into that coming of age you know bad shit happens well, you know, December Park is, you know, labeled as a horror novel. And I found this other one. I think it's called Shadow Year or Shadow. I can't remember what the title is. It's basically kind of the the same elements, almost exactly. But this one is a thriller. Yeah. Well, again, it's the whole Sounds of the Lamps. It's a thriller. It's about a guy wearing people's skin. Yeah, we saw that in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly. How is one a dirty horror film and the other one a high-minded thriller? Exactly. Where's that distinction? Please point that out to me. Anyways, went on about this longer than I thought it would. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I helped. You really opened the kind of worms, though. (laughs) (laughs) At least it counts as both of our beefs. Yes. So there you go. There's room for both there. Uh, The trashy stuff and the 
What are they called? Prestige horror, you know? Prestige, prestige. horror. What, what are, you got to say it like prestige. that, too. Prestige horror. Kind of picture me on know. the cover of The New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my beep is... Uh, is <laughs> That's another point. It's, it's, it's just as angry, probably, but uh, a lot, a lot more. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's a couple of key people that that, that quit social media, and uh, I didn't click on that clickbait by one of these, and I got a lot of shit for it too. But um, I forget the actress, but she was in the Last Jedi. She played um the the Asian counterpart to the to the rebels. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they. I forget what the story was, but they were shaming her somewhere. Probably probably, probably fat shaming her on Twitter. Uh, I. Well, they were also being racist dickheads, saying, like, you know, ching chong, ting tong, whatever what? the fuck. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Those people fucking suck. Yes. And when they can hide behind the keyboards, there's no limit to how shitty they can be. The other one. Anyway, sorry, go the, ahead. The other one was um, Millie Bobby Brown, which I didn't read the article, but I, I basically, somebody in the group, a group mentioned it, and I said that, you know, at, at earlier convention appearances, this is true. I had this this from from sources who I've trusted for fifteen years, and that they they told me that she wasn't the most pleasant person to the promoters and to the fans. And like when the first season of Stranger Things came out, and people were like rub rub rub, what was that doing? Anything? Well, people, the internet's a very cruel place, and if, if she was rude to to some guy in Columbus, Ohio. He, he, he could go on the internet and just berate her any way, any way they want to, but this goes back to some, I think, probably some, I, I forget if this is true or not, some off-color comment she made about the LGBT community, and people started making memes about her, talking about her running over, I, I'm not going to quote directly because these are disgusting things to say about anybody, uh, running over gays with her car, uh, you know, something about... Why is homophobia a word if I'm not afraid? If I'm not afraid of gays, really stupid berating stuff for this 14 year old girl, and she, well, she, she quit Twitter too. So there you go. And also, they were legitimately making stuff up wholesale. They were taking like her picture and putting in you know situations yeah. like her in a clan rally or something it's, it's like really that. Really awful stuff. It really is. Or they're making it look like her Twitter account. Her like it came from her Twitter account and saying, you know, Hitler did nothing wrong and just stupid stuff. And you get those jackals who are like, oh, we're just joking. It's just oh, a joke. They, they called they called it satire. Like, oh, it was, it was just being satirical. No, you were being very hurtful to this person. And even me, my, especially even me myself. It's prestige comedy. Prestige Leave them alone. <laughs> even if I personally heard bad things about this person, I never met this person. I don't know this person. But she's 14, and I know that's a... I'm sure it's a very... I've never been a 14-year-old girl, but I'm sure it's a very uh, difficult time for a young lady to be 14, and, you know, even if you're, you know, thrust into superstardom like she has been. You know, just a 14-year-old girl in general. So I, I feel for her in that sense that people are talking shit about her like that, and it's awful. But I haven't... But the fact that I said to these people in this group that, you know, I've heard, you know, bad things about her... Which is the way social media works. When somebody rubs somebody the wrong way, there's going to be one post about this person, and there's going to be a thousand posts about this person being a real shithead. Yeah, this is whether they're true or not. This is just how the internet works, and I, I hate I hate to be the guy that says it. And it's, it's an awful thing, and I'm 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 still on it, but whatever. I don't I don't really I don't really hang my dick out there too much just to say hey, you know, just to see what happens. Let's let's see what happens. 
I, I, I try not to do that anymore. I, I used to do it, you know, like every once in a while, but I try to, like, bite my tongue when certain stories come out, and and uh, I didn't read that story, because clickbait is a terrible thing, and it was, like, right after I got this argument with these fucking people who may or may not be right about whatever, that I seen this story pop up in my feed. I'm like, okay, well, here it is. Let me read this story. Let me see what happened. And then I see what happened, and it was awful. Did I feel bad about saying that she was ignorant to people? No. I felt bad that all this was happening to her, though, because that's a terrible thing. And uh, You know, honestly, even if... Even if... I mean, I don't know. She's, she's a kid. And so I really don't want to... What was she, like 11 when, when she first started filming or that show? Or when... I don't know, even... There's been a couple seasons, so she was even younger when it, when all of this first started. I, I just have a real difficult time attacking a kid over something they say. They're not even, they don't, they're not fully developed yet. How many 14-year-olds have it all together? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, and you can't expect them to, you know, and I'm not gonna. It's called growing up. We all fucking did it. And we've all made missteps yes. and we've all said things or done things that, that looking back on our, on our youth, we probably said, we we're probably thinking, yeah, I probably wish I hadn't done that, you know, but it's all part of growing up. It's all part of the experience and it's all, you have to learn from stuff that you do. And I just think it's a really shitty thing to, uh, to I don't know, to basically treat a kid like that. I can't, I, honestly, I don't like treating adults that way, No, but at least with an adult, you can hold them more accountable for the things that come out of their mouth. I just think when you're that young, just leave them alone. I want, God damn. Chances are there was nothing wrong that she did. I'm going to give her that benefit of doubt because she seems like that kind of person. But even still, even if you're an adult, even you, yes, you, the listener, are you proud of everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, every thought you've ever had? No, you're not. If you say you are, you're fucking lying. <laughs> now, imagine being under a microscope all the time, having everything you ever do analyzed and, you know, poked at and put out there for everybody to see and judge. That's what these people are going through. And imagine having that happen to you as a kid. Yeah, well, that's, you know, you know and that's that, the icing that on the cake. That could be so devastating to your development. Yeah. I mean, go back to when you were 14, are you 100% legitimately everything I ever did, said, thought, or whatever is 100% pure gold? No mistakes, no mess ups, no stumbling. Nothing. Again, if you say you are, bullshit, you're lying. Well, most people at the age of 14 and around that age feel so awkward about themselves and yes. everything else anyway because you're going through a whole lot of shit. There's a lot of hormonal stuff there. There's a lot of growth stuff going there. Your body's doing weird things. You, you know, you, and it's a very self-conscious time period, you know, for most people. So, and then just imagine everything else piled on top of all the other bullshit. You are you're still going figuring out and, who you are going to be. And leave her the fuck alone. Yes. Just, Stop. Yes. Yeah, it's awful. Let's move on to a. But I have a second beef, and uh, this is this is a pretty pretty bad one. Um, this is called the fuck Chris Hardwick beef because. Oh, I was wondering if anybody was going to bring oh, that up. Oh man. <laughs> King of the nerds, Chris Hardwick. I found out this week that he had a a young lady that was his his lady friend 
that he basically kept at a house and they weren't allowed to be photographed together and that he demanded sex when he got home and a lot of other rigmarole that a male, you know, empowered chauvinist loves to do to women. Um, I think next time, Chris, and I'm not going to know this, but you should pick a, a, a woman that's not an American woman. That, that woman's going to tell. And I guarantee a lot of your other friends are going to tell, too, that you, that you did this to in the past. And you, you're a fucking pig, and the whole world's going to find out about it now. And, you, yeah, they're going to take you down from that nerdist ivory tower that you're sitting on, currently sitting on. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the Me Too, the Me Too movement really, really uh, struck a proper blow here. And you really, hope you really stick it up his ass with all this fucking craziness that he does to these women. And, uh, uh, thoughts, please. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm going off here. Yeah. I just read about that this morning. And honestly, it, I, what, at first I was just stunned. I'm like, Chris Hardwick? No. The more I'm reading him, it's like, oh my God, what a fucking asshole. I hate this guy. And you should love this guy because he, he's just this the, the 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 guy who started out as singled out and became like a a global superstar with this nerdist shit and then stuff like this comes out and no that's bad man you know very and it's it's I'm disgusted oh my god just hanging out at Will Wheaton's house just crying on his huge pillow you know <laughs> another king of the nerds that I I can't stand that title that does yeah, oh. No, it goes back to my, my hatred of Big Bang Theory now. But uh, um, <laughs> anything else from anybody else about this? I'm sorry. Dead silence. I guess not. And the rest, and the rest is silence. silence. <laughs> Prestige chauvinism. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Prestige silence. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, but today uh, we're, we're celebrating fathers. Well, <laughs> uh, bohunk fathers and their shitty kids. Well, no, I... I personally love that these scumbags are finally getting outed. For too long, people, you know, well, I have power and I have influence and I have connections. So they felt like they were able to be total abhorrent shitbags. Now, granted, there's two sides of every story. And just because somebody accuses somebody of something, you can't automatically believe them. It's the whole trust but asshole. Well, you know. Unless this is some great cabal of people who have gotten together to purposely bring this person down, yeah, you you gotta have to start listening to them. You you know the whole war. There's smoke. There's fire. Well, yeah, you know there's more than one. You know this isn't the only one that he's done this to because he's been riding this 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 pony for a long time as far as having this huge nerd empire. So I'm sure he's had other women that he's done this to, unless this is like a new kink for him, you know, it's like the, well, arch- no, but you don't, you don't go from zero to 10 straight away. No. I mean, if you're going to be a serial killer, you don't wake up one day and immediately dismember a human. You start small, you build up. Yeah. So yeah, there's no way this is the first. It's not like that R. Kelly situation, which, you know, I, I could take or leave. I mean, he's still a pig, but you know, the, the, the fact that he has harms of women in different cities living in a house that he's paying for and, they're there to do stuff to him sexually when he comes to the city. I, I think that these girls have very low self-esteem and they sign to the dotted line to do disgusting things with this man. So that really makes... That's kind of... That's somewhat on them. It really makes you question their character as women to, 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 to sign this paper to say, okay, I'll do all this weird stuff to you when you come to Kansas City. It just... 
I don't. I personally don't see anything wrong with that. If it's all consensual, then that's sex work. That's not the same thing at all. Yeah. Like if these women want to do that, and if that's the way that they sometimes need to make a living, then all power to them. Do what they need to do. I don't have a problem with that. No, exactly. One is a business proposition. The other one is, you know, at least I got the idea that it was supposed to be a relationship. They, there was no yeah. give and take. There was no quid pro quo. Well, if you do this, I'll make you do, uh, I'll do this for you. It was, they, they, at least on her end, wanted to have a relationship, wanted to have something real. And it just turns out that this guy was a complete and utter piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And predatory because she, you know, if you read her, if you read her story, at least the, the way that she presents it is that she was basically, he was like an emotional predator, you know, and he had to know these things about her. He had to know that she was going through all this stuff and that she was vulnerable, you know, it just, but he just continued with no remorse and there's even the part where she talks about how after she got out of surgery like the first question he asked was well can I have sex with her again you know it, well because that's all she's worth she's a whole nothing else know, and then you want to say yeah but you know then there's the 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 you know like well you know you stayed you know why did you <laughs> that stay? is part of it but then at the same time you know there are a lot of reasons that that people stay in situations that they're in, and 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 it doesn't always make sense to everyone else. No, but I get it, you know. I and she did eventually get out of it. So there's that, and I didn't even realize we actually watch her all the time, or used to, not as much anymore because the channels changed. But anyway, she was she was on this uh, YouTube channel that we watched a lot, and I never realized that she was even with him, like. Whenever you see pictures of like red carpet photos or whatever, she looks completely different because when on the show that we would watch, she was just um, jeans and a T-shirt. Yeah, she was very, you know, just I don't know. She was just a chick. She wasn't all made up or anything. She just was hanging out. So she looked very different. And then when I actually put it together yesterday, I was like, oh, my God, that's the same person. Like, I just I never I never realized it. And. You know, it's just on the show. She always seems so easygoing and normal. I mean, she's good at masking this, you know, and it just makes me feel really bad because then it makes you start thinking all the people that are out there that you see all the time that seem like yeah. everything's great. What's going on under the surface? Yeah. Um, but Man. anyway, uh, Brian's like, I hope he gets ruined for this. And I'm like, I think he pretty much already is. Like, uh, did he this- just get removed from the company that he started? Yeah. I think, well, what I heard yesterday was they removed his name from, like, everything. They scrubbed him from... But I don't know if that's the first step to them officially getting rid of him or what, or if that's just damage control. Let's pretend he's not part of this kind of thing. But your company is already fucked, for for one thing, because you, you're the nerdist. He is basically the face of the nerdist. He's the one that started it. He's the one you think about when you think of the nerdist and, yeah. all, and all that it's built, you know... Well, there are already writers who've dropped out who are like, you know, I um, I don't want my work, can you know, associated with this. So as soon as this hit, they were like, nope, I'm done. Um, as their own personal damage control, I can imagine there won't be a, or if there is a Talking Dead, he won't be the Talking Head. No. Yeah. yeah. 
And it just and it all makes me very sad. I actually always liked him, and I was always kind of proud of him because I'm like, look at him coming so far from when he used to do Singled Out. <laughs> I used to love At Midnight. And it's just, you know, it just, he, I don't know. I always, and a lot of people have always, have have always said, like, he seems so douchey, and I just don't like him, and I can't stand that guy. And I think, Brian, you're one of them. You're not, you were never a fan. Of I always liked him, but I always, honestly, this isn't just, well, I knew it, but it was, there was always something about him that seemed kind of smarmy. Yeah, and that's something, and yeah, I mean, I'll attest that. You've said that for years. Yes. It's like, I've always liked him, and Brian's always like, There's ah. always an undercurrent. Like, <laughs> he was always like, I don't know. <laughs> Not Shit crazy about the guy. Brian's just sitting on the couch with his arms crossed, just pointing his fingers like, see? See what he did there, you know? <laughs> I was correct. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but it's awful. But, uh... Yeah, let's start with something more positive. Uh, I, sorry, I, I uh, went down that fucking rabbit hole, but I, I hate, I hate misogyny. I try to, I try not to be, the yeah, that type of guy. But I, I really can't stand it when it when it comes out like that. Ugh, man. But uh, today, yeah, <laughs> day before Father's Day, we're gonna celebrate Father's Day with uh, two films about fathers. Well, they're they're really bohunks with two shitty kids in these movies, and uh, we're gonna do over the top first, because uh, Suzanne has to leave for the Real Steel uh, review um, in Real Steel, uh, starring uh, the great Hugh Jack, the other one starring the great Sylvester Stallone. But we're going to get over the top right after this. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. and he said, bark, bark, bark. she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show, is available on Hello Doomed Show. Automatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doom Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Slashes, G.I. Low and Horror. It's the Doom Show. What are the odds on Lincoln Hawks? 20 to 1, pal. Real long shot. Let's go. The world meets nobody halfway. Remember that. I don't have a father, sir. The world has always bet against Lincoln Hawks. This guy's nothing. Why'd you leave us? It won't happen again. What my grandson found, I don't care how you do it, do it. But a winner never listens to the odds. Whatever happens, I want you to stay with him. You never had anything, so you have nothing to lose. All I want to do is hurt him, cripple him, get him off the table. All I care about is you. You're my boy, you understand? The world beats nobody halfway. Now is the time to do for yourself. I want you. Over the top, Dad, over the top. Sylvester Stallone, over the top. 
Over the Top from 1987. Uh, cheap plot synopsis is this. Uh, tough trucker, Lincoln Hawk, is determined to win back his son and triumph at the World Arm Wrestling Championships. Uh, this stars, of course, Sylvester Stallone, Robert Loggia, Susan Blakely. <laughs> I love this name. Rick Zumwalt as Bull Hurley. I love that. I, I was always hoping that guy's actual name was Bull Hurley, but I was, of course, very, very upset when it wasn't. <laughs> oh, what's this asshole's full name? I can't stand this kid. Uh, David Mendenhall plays his son in this movie, <laughs> whose name is Michael. Uh, Terry Funk shows up in this movie. Love Terry Funk when he shows up in anything. Um, graduate of Funk U. This this is a very special review. We have dual Hawks in, in this review. We have Hawk on the line, and we have Hawk in this movie. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to ask Hawk first what Hawk thought of over the top. Well, after I got over the initial confusion of being spoken directly to from the 80s, which confused, <laughs> I was like, what kind of time travel is this? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my jigsaw I know, he knew he knew some prestige knowledge uh, I really enjoyed it I love like this whole kind of era of just kind of not gritty but kind of realistic in terms of physically does that make sense like um they sweat and they're not all made up to look really pretty all the time and you just kind of get on with it and and you feel like the cast have actually got time to really get to know each other and have real chemistry together and that kind of stuff and I just love that that whole era for filmmaking generally it was was good for me so yeah I really enjoyed watching it I've not seen it before um and I'm a big Stallone fan anyway um so yeah, I was all at Fortune's movie. I really enjoyed it. Cool. I'll go to Brian next. <sighs> I like this because it's pure cheesy Stallone goodness. Yes. Um, it's no great Shakespearean work, but hey, it gets what it gets across. It's got, it's got a good message of a father and son coming together, you know, the adversities they face, and at the end, they're, you know, a team. It's kind of schmaltzy by how it does it. Um, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> a little bit saccharine. Um, you got Robert Loga, Loja as the evil grandfather who goes out of his way to get the kid and does every dirty trick in the book to get him. And then at the end, because Schwartz, not Schwarzenegger, the other guy, Stallone, wins an arm wrestling match. He picks up his kid and Robert Loja is like nodding like, yeah, that's how it should be, I guess. And it's like, <laughs> where did that change of heart come from? I was wrong. Yeah. It's amazing what arm wrestling can it, do. It is really but awesome. The law has been defeated by brute strength. Yes. <laughs> um, I love Bull, what was his last name, Hurley? Bull Hurley, yeah. Because... Yeah. You talk about over the top. He was so over the top. He just, everything is just all bug-eyed and, I mean, he's just, you know, you ain't shit. I own you. And that's like him talking to his mother. You know, it's like, he, he is just so extreme. All I mean, you want to talk about extreme edge lords? This guy is it. But, uh. I don't know. I love that. I love all the characters. I love the the one grizzly guy who's all wild hair and beard and 
drinking motor oil that to guy used psych to his opponent. Scare me as a child, the guy drinking the motor oil, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. He reminds me of um, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Ah, yeah. Every time he's. I always think of that arm wrestling scene from Revenge of the Nerds where <laughs> Ogre's like. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they kind of nailed that. They must have gone to the World Arm Wrestling Championship to do some research. I do like the part where the kid's like, well, you know, well, obviously, sir, you're not the brightest bulb. You know, you're not the (laughs) sharpest knife in the drawer. And Stolen is like, you know, he starts to pull of a truck and he's like, are you upset? He goes, I I passed upset about a mile back. Are you going to get violent, sir? <laughs> and he's like, you know, since I'm so mentally deficient and abnormal to drive this truck, why don't you come over here and do it? Um, I, I actually like the kid at the end. In the beginning, he's a complete and utter shit. Um, cause yeah, he's always like running into traffic rather than driving in a truck with his dad. And I'm like, well, I hope you get hit, you stupid fuck. But of course he doesn't. <laughs> um, and I mean the whole, you know, my mom died because I was with you. It's your fault that I wasn't here. I can kind of see that because, you know, a kid would think that way. But I don't know, towards the end when he has his big redemptive moment and he's like, you know, my dad's all right. He did write me letters and, you know, he steals a truck to go drive to the airport and go fly to where his dad is just to watch him arm wrestle. That is good 80s cheese right there. So... I don't know. This movie is stupid and silly as it is. Uh, I guess must, much like Chopping Mall. Always had a special place in my heart. So, yeah, I dug it. Cool. Um, Suzanne? Okay, I've, I've never had any intention of seeing this, but one of my friends, when it first came out, was begging me to go to the theater with them to see it. I'm like, no, it looks stupid. It looks boring. And he's like, no, people get their arms broken. There's, like, bones crunching. I'm like... Okay. <laughs> well, what happens with the fly? Are you guys gonna see the fly instead? <laughs> oh no! It was just—it was a ploy to get me to go to this movie. And honestly, the second that '80s theme music queued up when the movie starts, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I am totally in. And watching it again, I, there's just something to be said for that era of filmmaking as Brian said, it's like they, they have chemistry. They've taken time to, you know, build relationships on and off the set. And it, it shows. And once again, it's like cue the Kenny Loggins song, which I was singing mm. and now it's stuck in my head mm. and it, it I'm going to have to find something else to make it go away. <laughs> But I and I love Robert Loja. He's just no matter what he's in, he's like acting to the tenth power. I mean, that first time you see him and he is just sitting there and he is bright red and screaming orders and I'm talking to the board. You're like, whoa. But it's it's a it's a good story. I did not hate the kid as much is everybody else. Cause I, I could kind of put myself in that place. Someone I haven't, I've, I've never met all of a sudden just shows up and we're supposed to, to be all buddy, buddy. I would not necessarily would have run out into traffic and you know, I just, that, that was kind of dumb, but I, I totally get it from the kid's point of view. The ending with Robert Loja 
just kind of nodding and letting it go. I just still kind of don't buy that. But once again, I have a problem. I get way too literal when I watch anything. But I truly, I, I, I enjoy this one. I hadn't seen it since I went to the, to the theater to see it. And it's still, like I said, it was that, that happy, feel-good, you know, 80s movie with the awesome theme music and the songs. And it just takes, it just puts you right in the movie. I, I like this one a lot. Watching it again, I think I like it a little more now because it just, it's, it is just that, that, that nice, happy place. You, these people come together through, you know, the death of his mother and, you know, truly become father and son. They go, so, yeah. so uh, Mike, uh, your mom's dead. You want to go get a steak? Uh, let's go. <laughs> uh, do you know anything about nutrition? <laughs> oh, man. Jamie, go with you, girl. I really like this one, too. It's, uh, I mean, it's Stallone in the 80s. And, you know, back in the 80s where you could build deep, meaningful relationships with your long-lost children in a matter of days. And... I didn't hate the kid either. At first, I was like, how about a pop in the mouth? You know, because he was getting a little mouthy there. And I turned around, and I was like, I don't take no disrespect from no youngins. And that's true. But I still could understand where he was coming from. Like, I, I get it. And then I really did like the kid. Uh, overall, I thought he was resourceful and clever. And, you know, I like the fact that when it came, to, I mean, it's just the the scene where he's talking to him in jail, and like the, the kid's very mature. Like he he's he's not dumb, and I you know I really do appreciate that. And he did have some ignorance as to what he thought of someone in you know Stallone's station, <laughs> but you know he learned his lesson, and that thought is a very good one. I. <laughs> I think it's goofy as fuck in a lot of places, particularly during the arm wrestling championship. I mean, basically you take any competition film from the eighties and there you have it. It's, it's, you know, montage of stuff and some music and a lot of faces. I'm surprised it didn't have the evil Russian arm wrestler. Cause that would have been perfect. Well, uh, the guy there's the, isn't it bull hurt? The guy who plays bull Hurley, who shows up in Rambo three as, isn't he the Russian guy in Rambo three or the a Russian or a, a something. I want to say he shows up again in like Rambo three and he's a bad guy. Uh, I don't have but, much experience. Which I Rambo just think 3. is, which I, I think is just funny. But anyway, um, one of them does, but it's very, you know, you take anything like, you know, these movies are all basically the same. They have the same beats, but, and to be perfectly honest, our next film is exactly the same movie. I mean, exactly the but same, robots. the same movie, but with robots. And, uh, there really is no reason to change that formula though, because it basically, you know, it, it it's a thing. It works. And particularly in the eighties, it was all over. So, you know how they're going to end, you know, what you know exactly what's going to happen, but that's not why you're watching the movie. You know, you're not like expecting some kind of 
anything totally different to blow my mind. You know, you're just you're watching it for the feels and and I, I think it works and the fun. Well, and, that's because it's a prestige action film. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> But and I as love the, the montages in the eighties movies, yes, that makes them so good. Yeah, yes. well, like Rocky Four or Montage the movie, that <laughs> it's just the best. And when the credits started to roll, when we were watching this last night, I mean, just here come the credits, and I said, "God, I miss the eighties." <laughs> and I do because it just there was a particular aesthetic and a feeling, and, and, and just in everything from the music to the acting to the look of the film. It just was, it, it was, I don't know, kind of magical. And this was, even though it didn't make any money, and everyone hated this movie, and it's, even now, it's sitting at like 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Um, but it was, I mean, critics hated it back then. Nobody went to see it. It was a bomb. And I remember that, but I'm watching it now, and I'm like, I, I don't know why, because it's not any worse than, or, I mean, it's no... It's an '80s movie. Well, it's, it's, it's just what you said. This this film is sandwiched in between Cobra and fucking Ram, the Rambo sequels. This is sandwiched in all this hardcore action. But here here's this story about a man trying to reconnect with his son through arm wrestling. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess they banked on the fact that people would go see it because of Stallone. Mm-hmm. But I guess they didn't take into account that this is not the Stallone that people were accustomed to seeing. Not at the time, anyway. So, but this is far more Rocky than it is Rambo. At least it wasn't know. stop or my mom will shoot. Levels. Oh Jesus! Oh Christ. God! Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know what he was doing. <laughs> he, I don't okay. know what he was doing when he made it. Trying to make but that an Oscar. I, I, I love Oscar, and I'll make you guys watch it one day, okay? Because I, I have a soft... Oh, God, please don't make me watch it again. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Oscar. So, it's so bad. <laughs> but anyway, I do... I have always been a fan of Stallone. I like... And then, of course, now he's all in the news for bad stuff. And I'm like, God damn it. What God damn it. Do? Hmm? What did Stallone do? Probably grope somebody in 1987 or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah well, there... Um, yeah, he's... He, he has um, got allegations of sexual assault, uh, but for, I want to say it's – I just saw there, there was a new article as of yesterday even, but I want to say it's the same case that has been bouncing around for a couple months where a few months ago a woman uh, – and that it actually goes back to either the 80s or the 90s. Like it's pretty old, but I haven't actually read the new article, so if there's anything new, I don't know, but I, th- I think it's an older case that – but anyway, I just like, damn it. <laughs> I hate hearing that shit. Because I just, I like the guy. And, you know, I just, a fun movie. It was fun. I had a good time. I'm glad I was, I'm glad I watched it again. Because I haven't seen it in, well, shit, since the 80s. <laughs> yeah, me on the other hand, this, this film I watched probably, probably like twice a year. I, I just, I just turn it on well, when I, when I want to watch something like that. Uh, this is a film that, Again, constantly played on cable, so I watched a lot on TBS and HBO. Any anybody that would play it, you know, this probably played right there on the. I remember, when T, I think remember when TBS had the movies for guys who like movies. They they played, oh yeah, <laughs> they played this and Tango and Cash constantly and um, anything you could think of, they played on there. But they played a lot of them, a lot of the same ones all the time. And that, that's just that's fine, but. I think TBS is a pretty important uh, part of my upbringing 
just watching Flash Gordon on Saturday morning, just uh, hanging out. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I think one of the biggest myths about this movie is how much Stallone got paid for writing credit and and, and starring in this movie. I think somebody said like seventeen million dollars, which was insane at the time. Uh, yeah, and the whole budget was fifty. Mm-hmm. And um, which of course, if this this is this is a uh, those magical Israelis, the uh, Golan and Globus. So that fifty million dollars is more probably more like twenty million dollars, and that other thirty million dollars got allocated to other projects that they're working on. Oh, that's true. But it looks, yeah. If that's the case, though, he got paid more than it brought back in box office. <laughs> so they didn't even cover his salary. I, I think it's a great film. I, I do enjoy it. The kid, the kid is shitty like towards the beginning because he was playing that real snooty bastard. He's real good at that. Not not quite as good as like uh, Ethan Embry in Dutch. I think he plays one of the greatest shitty kid. I don't want to go on a road trip with you uh, actors ever. And I can't, I can't wait to meet him one day. He's doing the convention circuit, and uh, just to tell him how great Dutch is, you know. But uh, uh, unrelated. But um, one thing that we mentioned is that, how, how great the um, the arm wrestler interstitials are. They were the, the the final eight people in the tournament. Um, the black guy, I forget his name. He he does that line like uh, my arm's a fire plug, and I'm gonna light him up. You know, stuff like that. And um, <laughs> it's really great. I think they're just like. They're like wrestling promos, like back in the day when people could actually talk on wrestling. They, they, they filmed the promos beforehand, and they were always awesome. And, you know, because people could actually talk into the microphone. These guys were, were actors, clearly. Oh, well, in, in, in the, 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 the smallest sense of the word, these guys were actors. But they were really committed to being like these tough guy per, per, personas, especially Bull Hurley. You know, uh, I drive trucks and break arms for a living. Or uh, something about something about him him being at his table. That's my table. You don't belong here. Or some shit like that. You believe that he was gonna break Stallone's arm, and you were waiting for it. And Stallone just cheating throughout this film and teaching his son how to cheat at arm wrestling. And because the whole <laughs> the whole idea of, of breaking the hold to put your fingers over his his hand mid 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 match is yeah it's illegal. It's, it's like the biggest fallacy in this whole movie. It's like, yeah, you're teaching your son how to cheat, and you're teaching that cheating is okay, and you know, that that's how he wins naturally, and of course, that's how his his son beats the toughs at, at the at the video or the the, the roadhouse stop or whatever the hell they're at on the on the pinball. Well, I don't table. get as why none of these professional arm wrestlers wrestlers seem to notice that. Also, there's a uh, one other thing was that the this was a double elimination competition. Yes. Bull went in with no with no defeats, like he was undefeated. So, and Stallone had he'd been defeated once. For him to actually win this championship, he would have to beat Bull twice. But maybe there's a deleted scene in there somewhere where they they change the rules for the final round. I don't know. There's a lot. Or of... maybe they go in. Maybe during the finals they go in slate clean. Could be. There's a lot of one, maybe. I don't know. Of, there's a lot of but... what have yous in that situation. Yes. Yeah. But I'm yeah, and also. That he basically lets go of his hand to move his um, grip, yes, and somehow still doesn't lose. Like he takes his whole hand off and somehow manages to keep the hand in the same place, even though the other guy is like pushing with his entire body. Yeah, they do that nice slow motion laying the fingers yeah, down. Yeah, one finger at a time. <laughs> 
I, now, I, another thing I noticed too was that the men won two hundred a two hundred fifty thousand dollar truck and a hundred thousand dollars in cash. All the women won was fifty thousand dollars. That goddamn glass ceiling. That was bullshit. I mean, don't tell. And so Brian's like as well. They were Brian's just like, like let's well. just. Ha- Let's not forget the women. Okay, the women are done now. Bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, actually, we don't even know that that was just sort of going on in the background, and they kept showing it during the montages, and then it was never spoken of again. We don't know anything about who won. At the at the end, in the winner's thing, he was the only person that they were talking to. And it, like, it's like so, the women were already done. They settled theirs, but nobody cared. Yeah, <laughs> so why even bother with it? And here's your paltry 50 grand. Apparently... I'll get back in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Use that strong hand to cut some bread and make me a sandwich. <laughs> uh, and it's like, I I kind of get that the men would be more of a draw. Like, that's as far as, like, the fan base. Like, that's, you know, they're that's what they're known for. That's what they're coming to see. I get that. I also get that there's a higher chance of injury probably with men just because it's just it's just a thing. I mean, it's just, you know, physics, but not three hundred thousand dollars worth. You know, I mean, it, just to be a little bit more fair. You, you would know? think so. Well, it's still but it's like the, oh, it's like the NBA and the WNBA. Yeah. Who do, who really cares about the WNBA? Yeah. And they make nothing compared to like Michael Jordan and his ilk. So, well, you know, and that's what I used to have season tickets to the Lady Dogs basketball uh, when I worked at UGA and men's basketball, they throw money at them and like they're always sold out. It's just it's crazy. Like all the men are like showboating. And I mean, it's just they're not like they're just they're very like they have big personalities and they uh, superstars. like they, they are they're superstars and they play it up and all of this the women's team busts their ass i mean they work hard and they're good like they can't they consistently go to the championships they're so good and then you know but yet they're like okay one dollar tickets one dollar <laughs> tickets somebody come to see us and it's it's so sad and uh, like the season tickets for the ladies basketball is a fraction of the cost of the season tickets the for the men's basketball. Been. Yeah. And it's just, it is kind of sad because these ladies are busting their asses out there and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. It's the same over here with football and women's football or soccer, obviously, uh, <laughs> you know, all the guys like, as soon as they look at someone else's foot, they're rolling around on the floor with an injury and they can't play for another six games. And it's all well, awful, you know. That's how the NBA and then works the women's, here. <laughs> yeah. And then the women's football, they score like seven goals every match, like both teams, because it's just constant, like properly going for it. And right. nobody gives a shit. They don't even get on TV. Whereas the men's football is literally nine to five every day, full on football, 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 every match covered from every angle. And half of it's just posturing. Just watch. That's an excellent, that's an excellent word for it. That's exactly what it is. Just watch LeBron James take a fall one time on the court. Oh God, the phantom, the phantom hits. You think Ric Flair was playing basketball. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh yeah. He, he will go flying backwards. (laughs) <laughs> and no one has even touched him. <laughs> uh, 
That's the first big belly laugh I got at Jamie in a long time. I'm glad that, I'm glad that happened. See? <laughs> yeah. No, but the father and son dynamic got much, much better as the film went on, of course, until the mother dies. And then, you know what? Grandfather was right about you, you fucking asshole. You know, and yada, yada, yada. And I, I, Loja must have been, like, making, like, uh, anti-Lincoln Hawk training videos for the boy, making him watch him. Like, uh, Kurt, like, like, propaganda films, like Kurt Fuller made for Zeus and in, 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 uh, No Holds Barred, you know, your father's a terrible person, Michael, he left you, yada, 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 like, no, he had reasons. Yeah, I thought that whole dynamic was really weird, like the whole, oh, by the way, your dad's a drug dealer, what, no, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, we'll just never mention that again, I'd be like, uh, grandfather. <laughs> What the fuck? I always got the impression that their marriage broke up because of Grandpa. I oh, yeah, feel totally. like he pushed him out and, uh, no, you know, being the big powerful man that he is, you know, his daughter was like, okay, fine. I guess I can't do anything. Bye, Hawk. It's it's never said, you know, okay. why he left, but I imagine Robert Loge had a lot to do with it. But you know, the life of an over the road trucker is 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 a long is a long it's a long time away. I mean it's it's mapped out pretty well in that Alabama song. Roll on Howie, <laughs> roll on crew. It's it's a good song. But uh roll on eighteen wheeler, roll on. But uh it's a long life as far as being on the road and being away from your family and um Yeah, I, but was he a trucker back then though? There's I, no I would like, I would imagine he, he was been... Okay. Well, the thing is, they never that we don't ever get any straightforward answers about anything, you know. Yeah. And no, he even says, "Why did so you?" Many times. Yeah, and he says, "Why did you leave us?" And he said, "I had reasons." And he yeah, said, that was a shoe that never dropped. I and, kept waiting for it. And even the kid said, "Well, that's not an answer." And and you're right, kid. It's not. And then nothing, nothing. We get nothing. And why was the mother hiding his letters? I thought we were going to find out that the grandfather was hiding the letters. Yeah, yeah that I would know. make so much more sense. Why would the mother keep him from talking? She'd been talking to him this whole time and sending him photographs. Why would she not allow him to talk to him? Exactly. I didn't There's get it goals. at all. There are a lot. Yeah. It's like my wash day underwear. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she, she couldn't tell too much to him because she did all that raspy speaking from a hospital bed in this movie. Just phoning, literally phoning it in, because all of her dialogue is talked to on the phone, and uh, and that that's fine. Um, yeah, she didn't actually die. She just didn't know how to talk to them in person. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Hawk said. That's great. You know. <laughs> Hawk or she's Hawk behind the door, like, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> Hawk with an E. I'm sorry. You know. Well, it's either Hawk or Hawks, depending on who's saying it. Yes. Okay. Because yeah, I noticed was... that as well. Like, what is his name? Somebody and I, decide. I said, yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Is his name Hawks or Hawk? Because it says Hawk on the truck, and he just called him Hawks. And Brian's like, well, I think his name is Hawks, but he just goes by Hawk. And I was like, what? Well, then, <laughs> but then the very, right after Brian said that, the lawyer was like, I'm here to talk to you, Hawk. And I'm like, well, he just called him Hawk. I am so confused. I think his real name is Hawks because that's what the judge or like, um. I don't think so. I think they just said wrong stuff. Okay, that could be it too. It always bothered me that it was the very beginning of this movie. For somebody who has to go on the road and reconnect with their son that they haven't seen since they were basically a baby. He he goes into a truck washing montage instead of making it to the boys' graduation on time. 
Yeah. <laughs> you think he would have wanted to watch his son graduate from the from the military academy or whatever. But no, we're gonna have this sexy truck montage. And then you have that the... bit confused me as well, because the kid was clearly looking for someone in the crowd. And I was like, Oh, okay, so it's the dad that's never there. He's always letting him down, he always promises to come to his things and he never does. But no, because he didn't know he was going to be there. So who the fuck was he looking for? I'd imagine the grandfather, because he seems like the type that wouldn't show up to these things, but has control over everything. Oh, yeah, that's true. So you have the truck-washing montage. You have the the let's-get-into-shape-for-no-reason montage. You know, because son, <laughs> him and his son's uh, stretching. This film is a film filled with montages, because, you know, 1987. And that's fine. But uh, you get some some great characters along the way. I mentioned Terry Funk, who's a uh, uh, another wrestler uh, who who had a good run in, in some acting gigs back in these days. He was in this. He was in Roadhouse and a couple others. And the the, the dialogue that he is given is is just enough for Terry Funk to pull off. But he's another guy who he, I think they could have gave more to because if you ever watch Terry Funk's promos on the wrestling, he's pretty intense. And I think that. In playing this this security guard to Mr. Cutler, uh, he he he's supposed to be intense, and he could really it could have shined a little more in this film. And uh, he doesn't get great lines like a Roadhouse, where you know where he says, "I hear you have balls big enough to fill a dump truck," or uh, something like that. He says, "But <laughs> yeah, y'all get, get some good Terry Funk getting thrown through a window though by Sly Stallone, which is kind of unbelievable because Stallone was probably a good." 190, slim here. Funk was probably still at the weight of, like, a heavyweight, a good 280, 270, you know? And, uh, whatever. He, he's Lincoln, he's Lincoln Hawk or Hawks. He can do whatever he wants to do, apparently. Including, uh, j- drive a, a truck through a, a, a gated house. <laughs> and just lay waste everything with this truck. And, of course, at the end, the end, if Grandfather should be the big, big, tough badass, he's like, okay... He won the arm wrestling match. He can have his son. There was nothing. There was nothing said about nothing written. He signed the son over to him while he was in prison, and I think that if anything, the 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 the, the boy in the film Mike, uh, he gets an award for is that wrestling bitch face that he makes throughout this film is pretty amazing, and I think that's <laughs> that's, that's what makes him like the asshole of the year to me. Is that resting bitch face that he makes throughout this film? <laughs> I thought he was great. My only issue was that if you never met your dad and you were like big into military stuff, and then this huge fucking guy comes in, is like, "Hey, I'm your dad, and I'm also seven foot wide," I'd be quite pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> it says, you know, after after he insults him in every way. I love I love films with who where children insult the person. And all, all, the, all the time, and they say, hey, you want to be friends, though? Because he, he talks about how he eats, talks about this. And all she's like, it's like, oh, I beat this random mulleted kid at this, at this arcade. I must have good genetics. It's like, yeah, you you insulted the man up until now, but since you can slam this young punk's arm on, on a pinball table, you, all of a sudden you're proud of where you came from. You know? That's prestige parenting. That's prestige parenting, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, like, I agreed with the kid, the bit where they're in jail, and he's like, yeah, but where are we going to live? And he just says, like, I don't know, but we'll be together or something. And the kid's like, no, fuck that, I'm going to go back to Granddad. I was like, fair enough, that's good logic right there. And I don't understand how an arm wrestling championship changed that. I mean, sure, he got a lot of money and everything, but 
he clearly wasn't going to use the money to buy a nice house on the beach. So I don't understand what changed. Well, I don't know what a down payment is on a house in 87, but I'm sure that what was it, 25000 Or what was he going to make from the... the, the, the... No, 100000 100000 plus a $250,000 truck. Yeah, and the seven, the twenty to one seven grand he bet on himself as well. But it would it would have been ample. Oh, enough. that's right. Yes. Yeah, it would have been ample enough but, to to settle down and be yeah. But he clearly, and drive and drive local. He really had basically. no intention of doing that. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, again, like, it, where's the kid going to go to school? Again, he lives it, in a truck. It, it wasn't a it wasn't it wasn't a said thing. But he, it, I think that he would have had ample money to put a down payment on a house and then drive local so he could be with his family. You know. But, but then, yeah, also he'd already signed over the kid yeah, in custody. Exactly. But so hey, he has a prayer anyway. So he got the lotion nod at the end of the movie. So I guess that contract is null and void. And says, "Hey, we get a similar thing at the end of at the end of Real Steel." It's like, "Yep, you can have him back yeah, for one, for one night." You know? <laughs> oh my gosh! I do love when the grandfather shows up. He goes, "We're going straight home after this." So he actually yeah. says. After this, like you're, he's, he's like, you're gonna, all right, I, I, you, you came all this way, I'll let you watch this, but then we're going home. Then by the time we get to the end, he's like, yeah, this is right. They, they, do, they do this so many times in like it 80s t- movies. It took though. me 20 years to respect this boy, but now, <laughs> now I'm glad he married my dead child. I expected, I really was waiting for Bull Hurley to pick up Sylvester Stallone and put him on his shoulders. And like, you know, <laughs> that whole bad guy turned. Good You're hearted. all right, Larusso. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can see he well picks because... up his kid, then Bull picks him up, and you've got like a three tier <laughs> on the shoulder. <laughs> but when he won, Bull was like nodding and being yeah. like, "Yeah, respect, fair enough." But then I don't know if that was like the actor or the character because like oh. like after that, Bull was still clearly like, "No." So I think. I feel like he didn't really know that he was being filmed at that point, and he was just being himself. We need a Cobra Kai series, all over the top now, where Bull is really happy that that Lincoln Hawks won at the end of the movie, but now he's really bitter about it. You know? Yeah. Yes. And also the bit where he puts his hat, the the ash hat that he clearly won from Pokemon, but the hat, and he puts it on his kid after he's like drowned in his own sweat. And the kid's like, yay! I was like, no, get it off me! You you know how many times I've done that? I've played many collectible card games before, many video games before, where I pulled the Lincoln Hawks hawk move, where I turned my hat around so I could switch. Ash Ketchum move! How dare you! The Ash Ketchum move, yeah, I understand, you know. I know it came ten years later, but that's not the point. I, I used to do it all the time, it's just inadvertently, not even thinking about it, just turn my head around and say, let's get down to business, you know? And, uh... Just if the puns. Yes, makes you feel very masculine turning my head around. And, uh, I'm gonna catch me a Charizard now, because you, you mentioned it so many times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Snorlax is the king of all Pokemon. I'll throw it out there. I'm, 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 I'm down with <laughs> Snorlax. Anything that can go to sleep and then fuck you up after it takes a nap, I'm, I'm down with that. Um... I'll fuck you up while he's taking a nap. That's like the ultimate. There you go. Um, I dig it, though. I still dig it. It's um, got a great soundtrack. Even when I hated the kid the most, when that soundtrack kicked in, like, oh, Loggins makes everything better. Yeah. And I I think... Yes, exactly. I think this is the best Kenny Loggins song from the 80s soundtracks that there is. 
and there's some good ones out there. I know, I know Suzanne hates Top Gun, but um, there, there's some good ones in that. And of course, I'm Alright from Caddyshack. But this one, this one hits you in the feels right at the right time in this movie where you're, you should hate this kid. And then all of a sudden it's, make me halfway. It's like, yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> I, I'm just yeah. singing along with it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm really glad that I had all my windows and doors closed or I sure somebody would have called the bomb squad for the squealing. <laughs> and then I, can't, I, can't, I can't deny, you know, the the, 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 the post-Montrose pre-Van Hagar, Sammy Hagar song in this movie. Because... Oh, I know. That's the one that cues up in the beginning. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's still pretty great. It's, it's, it's right up there with the, the You're the Best song from Karate Kid. It, 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 it hits me in that, that situation. And, uh, if you haven't gone the Wayback Machine, go look for that magnificent montage in Cheese the Closers playlist, and which I still listen to like twice a month, just just to listen to it. And both of those songs are on there. <laughs> I have I, I have fun putting together stupid things, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm done for right now. Uh, Hawk, anything else you want to say about the 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 dual Hawkology here of this movie? Um, as I said before, I really like Stallone. Like, it's a recent love that I've developed since my friend told me that he was like literally homeless while working on Rocky. Yeah. And then, you know, they told him they would take the script, but they wouldn't have him as the actor and he accepted less money. And the first thing he did was feed his dog. And I was like, yeah. yes. Yeah, but so, Buckus is long He's now dead. my favorite person. I don't know if you saw the picture, but he still has the turtles cup and link. They're still very well alive, you know. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm 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 a developing fan of Stallone. So it's nice to see some of his stuff now, and it made me laugh that Mike, the kid, I've only ever seen him in one film before this, and that is God Bless America, which came out in 2011. I want to say that's a good one. Uh, and where he plays the dad. <laughs> he's all, he's all grown up now, see. Yeah, so it was like role reversal. That was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, like everyone was saying, super cheesy, you know, nothing genius about it. But one little moment that I did really like was the bit where they're in the truck for the first night. And he's like, you know, if you uh, if you get a stiff neck, you can you can use my shoulder for a pillow if you if you want to that's that's okay you know they've got that really awkward vibe really nicely as well and then it, they wake up in the morning and Stallone's like leaning on him instead and I was like oh it's so cute <laughs> so that bit was nice but yeah I think we pretty much covered everything it's a good soundtrack it's a good feel-good movie it's just 80s goodness uh, nice Brian yeah, this movie is a pure time capsule of what it was like back in the 80s. Um, and for me, that's a win. That goes right to my wheelhouse. It's, you know, Stallone, and it's cheesy, and it's awesome, and it's got some great songs and an awesome bad guy. It's just a win all the way through. Cool. Suzanne? I, I'm really glad I rewatched this one. I, like I said, the music... The, I mean, the, the, the caliber of acting, the, the 80s montage, it's as, you know, someone just said, it's it's a time capsule. It's They don't make movies like this anymore. I'm starting to sound like that person that's shaking my fist at people walking on the lawn. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I really do like this movie. I'm 
I'm sitting at like a seven and a half. Yeah, I forgot to ask that too. So uh, <laughs> I'll do that on the next go around here, and I'll give my rating. I'm, I'm about any out of ten. It's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, good soundtrack. Not the best acting, but it fits the time period real, real well. So eight out of ten. Um, kick it to uh, Jamie. What do you got, girl? I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Good times to be had by most. I won't say all. You can't please everyone. <laughs> what do you give it, Brian? Uh, also a solid seven. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, Hawk? What do you give it? I'm going to go slightly up and agree with the 7.5. I liked it. Cool. And up next, we're going to talk about uh, Hugh Jackman and some robots and not so strangely Richard Matheson, but he, he's going to come up, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> Real Steel from, from just a few years ago. Right after this. Yes. 
my money. Buddy, I got your money. It's right here. I'm good. But Charlie, you're uh, losing your belt. Wait, Charlie, hey. I can't uh, hear what you're saying. What was he like? As a boxer, Charlie was the top contender number two in the world. Then the fight game changed. With you. No, you're not. I'm either coming with you or you're fishing for your keys in the sewer. Oh my god, that was close. Stop. Whoa! Stubborn kid. This ain't a video game. This is for real. <laughs> Let's make some money! No, no, no I just need a little loan. As much as I like you, dude, you're a bad bet, brother. Give it up, Charlie. You got nothing left. What are we looking for? Anything I could use to put a fighting robot together. I think there's a whole robot in there. Never seen anything like it before. Can we get him a fight? He's a sparring bot. Built to take a lot of hits, but never dishing out any real punishment. His name is Adam. Get him a fight. You're bringing him home in pieces, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! He's smaller and weaker. He's gonna get his ass kicked. I need you to teach him to box. Are you kidding me? You know this fight game inside and out. He needs your moves, your commands. Uh, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. And I know I've done all kinds of wrong by this kid. I just like to do one thing right. Great fight, fellas. Remember this name, Adam. Adam! This bot is one to watch. I'm trying to see a better side to you here, Charlie. It's not easy. Steel from 2011. That's, that's more than a couple years ago. I feel like an old man now. See, uh, <laughs> uh, Chiba plot synopsis is this In the near future, robot boxing is a top sport. A struggling promoter feels he's found a champion in a discarded robot. Well, technically, his son found the robot. I'm just throwing it out there. IMD, IMDb synopsis. This, of course, uh, stars Wolverine and Falcon and a uh, very sexy Evangeline Lily. A really annoying child and uh, some other folk. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it to Brian first and ask him what he thought of Real Steel. <clears throat> Excuse me, I liked it. Um, I didn't love it, but it was good. It was very much over the top, but with robots, um, the same sort of formula. And I think it kind of missed a few beats because of it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is based off you brought you mentioned Matheson. This is based off one of his Twilight Zone scripts, or supposedly it is. Well, he rewrote the script for Steel, which was um, a, a very, very, a, not a lesser thing, but a much lo lower key version of this to where Lee Marvin played a boxing promoter in, in, in a future to where they had only robot boxers and he had a low level robot going against a big level robot. And of course his robot breaks down, so Lee Marvin has to literally step in the ring with this with this robot at the end of the episode if you've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah it is a... Matheson did write that, though. 
It is a very direct man versus machine, a very literal take on that metaphor. And here it's really not. So, I mean, it's just it's robots fighting each other. It's battle bots, which is cool. But I think you missed that whole what the idea of the original story was. But hey, whatever. This is a father and son bonding film. It's good for the whole family. I guess I would be a little bit too uh, rough and unexpected if Hugh Jackman had to strap on the gloves and go in there and fight. What was his name? Titan or Zeus? Zeus. Zeus. Thank you. If he had to fight Zeus at the end. Um, and I also got to say, I cannot believe they missed an opportunity to have one robot uppercut another robot and have their head like fly up. Yes. Just like, like, like rock and sock and robots. Yes. I mean, I was waiting for that. I'm like, come on, they've got to do that. How can you not make a movie about robots boxing and not have that? And well, they didn't have it. I was like, Oh, boo. But other than that, it was a good flick. I mean, yeah. Hugh Jackman has to learn, you know, how to be a dad. He has his estranged son. They get a robot that, for some reason, is plucky and has spirit. I don't know. Do they ever explain that? Well, he can it's learn. Just... He can learn for, from what they do as far as... That's why he learns all those fighting combinations. And how well, I know they, they mentioned something like he has a shadow boxing mode where mm-hmm. he can mimic... But it's like, you know, he also has a little bit of AI, you know, and like, so the kid is and the kid tells him, he's like, oh, you understand me. And he's like, well, your secret's safe with me. So that's why later on when he when he is trying to say he loves him and he's like, oh, your secret's safe with me to his dad. Mm. It's like a play, like a callback to earlier when he said it to the robot. But it's but that's a storyline that never go like that's an element that never really goes anywhere. Yeah, I was waiting for that to be expanded on. Right. It, it's all, I mean, they, oh, I, you understand me, but then he's like, feet, feet, these things. And I'm right. like, well, does he understand you or not? Like, pick one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have that, that shot of the robot in the, in the not training room, uh, dressing room, I guess, sitting down, looking at himself in a mirror. And when Hugh Jackman and his kid leave to go meet with the bad guys, He's just standing there looking at himself still. And I was waiting for something. You yeah. know, they they dwell on it for so long and they do the slow push in. I'm like, okay, something is going to happen. Nope. You see some motor oil trickling yeah, down. Yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was just a robot. And for as much as they try to humanize this robot, I mean, he's got heart. He just won't give up. He won't quit. But there's no explanation, and they don't really take it to that level. No, they don't go. It's it's a it's sort of a forgotten plot element that just sort of they throw in occasionally when they feel like it. And I'm like, you know, okay, so are we doing like a Chappie thing here? Yeah. Is this, you know, what's happening? And they don't really do anything with it, which is kind of it's it's confusing because why? Because one thing issue that I have with this film is the long ass running time. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. And if you are going to have these plot elements that don't ever go anywhere, then just get rid of them. It doesn't matter. You know, it's it like ultimately that robot and his feels don't have anything to do with the father and the son. No. So and they keep coming right up to the edge of that, right to the line going, uh, 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 and then backing away. And that would have been a good story, too. Yes. Because honestly, it made me cry a couple times. So it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but then they didn't really do anything with it. So I'm like, well, shit, I just wasted my emotion. I did like and this, the whole like, oh, can you understand me? Don't worry. Secret safe with me. He didn't do anything. No. no. So, I mean, if you would have asked a uh, microwave the same question, you would got the same response. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's, but, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of assumptions there, like when, when Hugh Jackman finally decides to train the robot using the, the shadow function. I mean, he, he, he has to learn these moves, and I imagine him, him speaking with the voice function, he has to tell him what these moves are called. He, so when he says right cross, left cross, the robot does precisely the movements that he was taught what a right cross and a left cross punch are, you know. Yes. And so I'd imagine, you know, non-deleted scene, but you don't see him speaking the functions into this robot to tell him what these moves are called. So I'd imagine the learning function was him associating the name with what these moves were called and then executing that move that he was taught. Yes, like Johnny Sacco's robot. Yes. (laughs) But uh, the other thing I really like is the final fight at the end. One robot rope-a-dopes another robot. He just covers up and he he's letting the other robot tire himself out. He rockied him. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I know. But I mean, it's, you can call it the Rocky. Same thing. But well, it's a like nice tie into the last movie. That's why he's like, <laughs> you know, there's all this suspense where the kids like do something. And Hugh Jackman's like, not yet. And it's like, do something. Not yet. And Evangeline Lilly's like, that's right. Not yet. Hang on there. I and expect to have some guy come up. Stay on target. Um, and I'm watching this and, and I'm like, what is he going to, I said, what's he trying to tire him out? It's a fucking robot. It's a robot. And then they actually, he actually does. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, his power core is empty. They did not mention power core once during the whole rest of this movie. Oh my God. That was they never a thing. Really you never saw them. Button. Yeah. You never saw them switching power cores out in between rounds. You never saw them hooking the robot up to, like, a jumper cable or powering him up, you know. It's never mentioned. But no, but well, all of a sudden... When they're in the Evangeline Lilly's gym, he does get plugged in a few times. So I guess we just were supposed to immediately know that that's what that is. Well, and, and, and remember that and carry it to the end of the film. They go, oh, of course. <laughs> I feel like, why not say, like, why not have just something in there? But, because when you're watching this, like all the other matches that you watch, because we watch a lot of robot matches in yes. this movie. And that's never a thing. Like, it, no, no one ever gets fatigued. No one ever, like, uh, there's never a, oh, shit, their power core is running low. Or, hey, we have to make sure during this match his power core is full yeah, charge. Yeah, give me a line I mean, like, oh, he's down to 57%. Well, charge him up. Something like that. Yeah, because by the time we yeah. get to the end, and then, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, what's he fucking tiring out a robot? You can't do that. Yeah, and how they're like, work? oh, he's wearing down his power core. And I'm like, what? It's almost <laughs> like it's almost like he's looking for, because there's a scene where he's fighting uh, the two-headed one. I think his name was Double Trouble, I think, or something like that. And uh, Twin Cities. Twin Cities, yeah. yes. And he sees the tell of the robot's arm being slightly clunky yeah, when he goes for the not- left. <laughs> You know, you would think there'd be more of that in these fights of him being a fighter and him telling, him knowing, I can spot a tell from a mile away that, okay, he's weak on his left shoulder, so hit him, hit him. Why would a robot have a tell? The robot doesn't know that it's weak in its own left shoulder. It's just going to keep doing things the same way. It's not going to hurt the robot. That's the developer's fault, though, as, as far as who made the robot. That's a, that's a mistake in the construction, obviously. 
But he's been oh, right, he's, okay, he's using yeah. these, these robot boxers for so long, you think he'd be able to spot it, unless your your robot's fighting a bull, of course, like he does at the beginning of this film, you know, and then yeah, it's just no holds barred there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was so weird. Why was nobody in that crowd like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this ton metal thing punching a cow. I yeah. was very <laughs> displeased with that. And I got to tell right? you, with the, considering that is how we were introduced to this character, I was like, well, I'm going to fucking hate this guy. Like, I was really angry for about a minute there. Yeah. Like, Why am I watching this, Gary? And then, <laughs> and then, um, cause he knows, he knows me. Like, you know, I don't stomach that. I was pissed, like really pissed. And then by the time we got, I mean, the movie's so damn long. By the time we got <laughs> to the end, I, you forgot about that, it. That part didn't even matter anymore, you know? But, um, yeah, when we, for, I, I thought, well, that's a really shitty way to introduce us to this character is because that's straight up abuse. I mean, he punched yeah. him and he went flying. That is straight up. Now, of course, the cat, the cat, the bull ended up um, tearing the shit out of the robot. Oh, yeah. So that's okay. Yeah, but that's, so, that's purely but, because of the script. Like in real right. life, if that guy hadn't stopped to wink at the girl in the crowd or whatever, he would have punched a cow to death. Yes, absolutely. With a robot. Absolutely. And that's horrendous. To, to be fair, I was, you yeah, know, I in, was in, very in, angry. In the rules of bullfighting, you know. They they basically torture that bull before he even hits the ring with the matador. So I, I don't know um, where the distinction. Well, is. I'm not real that's, crazy that's, about bullfighting. I'm not either. either. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not, no. the same deal. it's not like I'm like, hey, I'm cool with bullfighting, but this movie made me mad. But that robot bullfighting—that's <laughs> right out. Well, they're, they're, but the no, difference is that they do that behind the scenes, though. That was like a whole stadium of people being like, yeah, torture that animal, yeah. Well, yeah, all, they were into it. Then we all have like, not... then, right? Uh, <laughs> see, they're lucky I wasn't there because I would have had my ass out on the field, like <laughs> getting gored by the bull while I was trying to protect him. But oh no, I would have been straight on Hugh Jackman. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, my dude? <laughs> oh, that's that's actually yeah, that would have been a better tactic because I can't beat a robot. So yeah, attack Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't beat Hugh Jackman either, but. Slightly more chance. Oh my god! I know. We'll see if I'm angry enough. <laughs> yeah, We're talking balls. about animal abuse here. I could probably do it. I could probably take him. What, what, what do you think? Jamie? <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> How do you feel about this movie, really, Jamie? Hit, hit me with it. No, I uh, I honestly do like the movie. Like I said, but that that was in the very very beginning. I was really pissed off. But then by the time we got to everything else that was going on, that wasn't even. Honestly, it didn't even have to be there. Could they not have done something different? I mean, I was just a bad choice. Um, now I'm all mad about it again. But the, we've got uh, there the problem that I have with this film because basically, like I said, it is over the top. It's exactly the same movie, beat for beat. It's just with robots. Um, but this one has a lot of elements that just sort of don't go anywhere don't do anything you know we already mentioned a couple of them with the whole the robots ai and how like it had this whole personality but they didn't go into that that didn't mean anything um then i agree with his whole him being a boxer and seeing the tells and that one match that would have been something good to build on or to have him do repeatedly like we're little guys 
but this is how we beat the big guys is we outsmart them because we can see what's wrong. And so if you did that consistently, that would have been a cool thing. Another thing that they made a big deal out of was the kid dancing with the robot, which I thought was very cute. And then like in the big match, like the big title match, they didn't do it. Like they, they, they didn't take full advantage of that. Like they should have done like a, like, I was about to say clever lang. That's not what I meant. Um, like a, Oh, what's his name? Um, Apollo? Apollo? Yeah, like an Apollo Creed, you know, coming into Living James in Brown America. thing. You know? That would have just been really funny, I think. And and I, they probably would have done that had it been the 80s. But um, I think that would have been a really, just play off that a little bit more because it was their angle. It was their gimmick. And it was cute. And so I would have done more with that. So that's yet another thing I don't think that they Maybe they were like, with. well, Jesus, this movie's already two hours long. <laughs> well, that's the problem. And we had... Um, the guy who played the Russian rat killer from the strain, yeah. who was the, um, he was the, uh, was the, the guy. In, yeah. Yeah. Right. The hillbilly in the beginning with the, that showed up later and, it, and robbed them, like beat them up and robbed them. Yeah. And then he shows up at the very last match and he's like, you know, Oh, we gotta get out of here. And then they're, you know, got the two guys who, who stand there and keep him from leaving. And then he's like, okay, we'll just sit down. Well, that goes nowhere. No, that was supposed to show his comeuppance, but it didn't do anything. Nothing happened. So I'm just like, God, movie is like, I see what you're trying to do here, but there's so many different things you're trying to do here. Can you please just focus? Focus. And ultimately, it hurts the film because there are so many different story angles that they tried to introduce and just didn't do anything with. And I'm like, yeah, keep it simple, stupid. You know, it's a very simple story. Just tell the simple story. Stop with all the extraneous bullshit. You could have cut your runtime significantly, and it would have gone a lot smoother, and I wouldn't be sitting here going, yeah, but what about the thing? Hmm. I just saw something really insulting in the, in the IMDb uh, stuff here. It said the film is based based on Steel, a 1956 short story by... I am legend, and in present it says 2007, <laughs> like the Will Smith movie, author Richard Matheson. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt with that, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's another example of, uh, just keep it simple, stupid, I don't know why no one can just make the goddamn book. The book is right there, it's a beautiful book, it's a fantastic book, just make the book. We've got three movies, and not one of them nailed the book. The Vincent Price one, obviously, the being Price the closest one, yeah. one um, by far, but um, and pretty damn close. But even that one didn't do exactly the just do exactly the book. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's just that's sad. I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting about something. I'm all wound up now. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. I just I think that it uh, it just this film just tripped all over itself. Sadly, and it and it's not like not that it was bad, and not that I didn't like it, because I still overall I did enjoy it, and and yeah, I did cry some, I admit it, but it just tripped all over itself. Cool, uh, Hawk. Um, yeah, kind of just a bounce off what you guys have already said. Um, I think technically you really want to be like um pedantic, the whole man versus machine thing. They still have it in. It's just that instead of it being literally a man fighting a robot. It's the whole, the, um, what's Hugh Jackman's boxing versus 
what was his name? Tak or something? Mishido? His uh, coding. Mm -hmm. So it was just a, a lot more subtle. Like, I don't think they... I don't think that worked, but I think that was possibly what they were trying to do do with that. But because they only mentioned the coding thing right at the beginning and then never again, again, it's just kind of lost in the folds of the plot somewhere. And as for things that, you know, they bring into the story and then totally forget about, what about the fucking mother? She died and the kid never mentions it once. Like, you'd well, think he'd have something to say about the fact that his mum's just died. It's dead mom or new robot. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. He's just mad that his father sold him, basically. He's mad about the most. Yeah. yeah. Like, literally, his only line about his mother dying in the whole movie is, she was pretty cool, wasn't she? Yeah. That's it. That was it? Like, that, that, that's, there's no sadness. He doesn't cry. He doesn't like have a moment to himself. Like, where's my mom gone or anything like that. There's no, there's nothing. It's he's, just like he's too hot. It's, up by it's Dr. Pepper pure to lazy plot device. It's pathetic. So yeah, I kind of liked the kid at the beginning because he was a little shit, and that pleased me greatly. Because I think the the big difference, even though this is essentially over the top, the big difference is that Sliced Alone wanted his son. And that's, yes, yes. that changes the tone of the movie completely. So the fact that both kids are little shits at the beginning, in Over the Top, Mike, you want to slap his little face because he's a little brat. But this kid, I'm like, yeah, you tell him. What a cock. You know, <laughs> Hugh Jackman's a knob in this movie. So it totally shifts the the tone of the film. And I think that's maybe why I didn't enjoy this one as much because it is essentially the same film. And I fucking love robots, so in theory, I should like this film more. But because of all the plots that just go nowhere, and because of that tonal shift where this guy is forced to spend time with his son, and he clearly doesn't want to, like, there's no motivation for me to want them to work it out. Because he doesn't want to be there, the kid doesn't want to be there, so I'm like, well, don't be there then. <laughs> I just, like... I, I don't want this to go well because neither of them want it. So why would I, you know, yeah. there's no, there's, there's no like, come on, you're going to win him over in the end. Like there was with Sylvester Stallone because he really wanted to prove to his son that he was going to be there for him. But Hugh Jackman just wants money. That's completely different. Yeah. He was kind um, of a tool. Yeah. He was totally a dick. And I wonder if that's maybe like a generational thing, like, cause a lot of the over the top was the whole, like teaching him how to be a man and teaching him how to fight and kind of like old school family values of being, of what it means to be a, a father and a guy and all that kind of thing. And you, you can't really do that anymore in the world of technology. So they had, they kind of had a bit of role reversal in this one with the kid kind of teaching the dad, about coding and building robots and all that a little bit, but not really. I think and, they, and I kind of wonder... I think they built the soundtrack into the actors' brains to where you heard Kenny Loggins and Over the Top, so you were like, yeah. real, real lighthearted, but you're Eminem in this movie <laughs> all over the place. Like, oh, I'm just fucking angry all the time, you know? Um, but I wonder if it's like, it, um, not a millennial thing, but, you know, kind of, we don't have that respect for parents anymore. So I wonder if that's kind of why movies have made that shift from he wants to do right by his kids to he's being forced to do right by his kids because we no longer have that kind of respect like 
he's um mike spends the whole movie calling his dad sir that does not happen now i've never met a single person who does that i mean it yeah. might be more prevalent in america i don't know but it certainly doesn't happen here so i wonder if that's why um there was one line that really freaked me out. He he makes out with Evangeline Lilly and then immediately goes, you sound like your dad. And I was Ew. like, eh, why would you say that? <laughs> why? Would, why? Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with what everyone else is saying. Like, it should hit all the marks because it's the same movie, but it just falls short somehow because of all the bits that they kind of left out and didn't bother finishing up and tying up neatly um yeah is it an ai is it not an ai what's going on there um but i, I like deborah she was cool <laughs> yeah yeah she was like at the end when she's just like cheering and stuff but i feel bad for her because she's married to that asshole who's like i will give you a hundred thousand dollars to babysit this child so i can have a nice holiday without him yeah that's just true too. my wife <laughs> yeah and at the end and see even that doesn't go because they bring it up in front of her and she's like wait yeah. what are you talking about and then yeah, no one ever explains it to her they yeah. just ignore her <laughs> and so nothing ever happens with that I'm like yay mm-hmm. they should call this loose ends the movie <laughs> um, one line I really did like though I thought it was funny was when he's like what are you like 9 or 10 and the kid goes I'm 11 and I just I I just I got a kick out of his delivery. And it, I like the uh, I'm 11. <laughs> I'm like the follow up because Jackman's like, are you sure you're 11? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure I'm 11. Yes, I'm sure I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I was also waiting for someone to come forward and be like, hey, this is my robot that I built in whatever year. Like, yeah, where where the fuck did he come from? They just found him in a junkyard or something. Also, that was another thing about this film is that I, I keep saying that. And that was another thing. Um, that <laughs> there didn't seem to be any robot loyalty. Like they didn't. Now, with this one robot, the kid got attached and he refused to sell. And that was good. But previous to this robot, they didn't give a damn. I well, mean, I think that's they what just I randomly got robots from anywhere. I there think was no they attachment. did that on purpose to show you that's why this robot's something special. He has a something, a spark, uh, you know, because, yeah, before they're just robots they are disposable. Oh, he broke. So we need a new one. OK, now we got this guy. Yeah, but have you ever known anyone in any sport or competition of any kind that does not have a personal attachment to their equipment? Yeah. I mean, even even from a business standpoint, you want to build the name. So yeah, if, exactly. if like Zeus, you know, even if Zeus got beat a hundred times, you'd want to keep Zeus just because people know Zeus. You can't just keep coming in with different guys all the time and expect. Exactly well, no, I'm, right. I'm sure if it they would get sense. a winner like Zeus, they would do that. But yeah, up until that point, why not switch him out? I can. It's a very practical way of seeing something. I don't know. To me, it seems a little too loosey goosey. I just don't feel it. Yeah. I just I don't I know. Like there should be some kind of franchise building within the sport i mean and this is i'm talking like even back when i played competitive darts i was very attached to and all of us were like you get very attached and very specific about your darts that you throw it's like so something that you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on you know yeah you would it just maybe think of heather's just now you know, Heather Chandler, she's always different. She's always she's always red in the in the croquet, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that's like saying someone would just have disposable race cars. I just 
I don't know. I don't feel, I've just never known anyone who would be that disposal about anything. But they, what I'm saying is they did that for the story beat. They want to show you that these robots mean nothing, but there's a reason this one does because he has uh, something special. That's the whole idea behind they, it. They, I mean, yeah, but then they don't do anything with that. So it doesn't mean anything. Well, they do ultimately. do something, but they never explain it. It's the whole idea. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was expecting them to build it up more. Like, yes, they have the like robot and they fix him and that's it. There's no, like, I'm still working on improvements. I'm still tweaking. I'm still, you know, like you do with a race car or anything nowadays. You you get the thing that you like, but you keep working on it. You don't just go, right, that's as good as it's ever going to get. Well, in the beginning, like, when we first meet him, his robot that the cow kills or that the bull kills is called Ambush. Yeah. And so we first, and you've got those kids outside the trailer. They're like, oh, is that Ambush? You know, and so we... You're like, oh, okay, so this is like a famous, this is how we're introduced. You know, the kids are like, oh, this is Ambush, we want to take a picture. So the kids know who this robot is. And so you kind of get the idea just from walking in at that point. You kind of, where where I thought it was going was that like, oh, he used to be somebody really famous and now he's kind of, he's not. Um, So he's been relegated to doing county fairs and that's a really sad, you know, and no, so this is basically going to be a redemption story. He's going to build himself back up and he's going to become famous again. And then five minutes later, Ambush is, is scrap metal. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, well that, that wasn't a thing, I guess. I mean, it just, he, apparently there was notoriety attached to that name. And they just threw it out the window. I think that was done specifically for the story element of I get it. I just this little guy is special. And I mean, that's why when evil Russian lady offers Hugh Jackman, I'll give you two hundred grand for a robot, he's like, sold. And it's the kid who's like, No, you're not gonna sell him no matter what, no matter how much. Well, and was, Hugh Jackman's like, Are you crazy? That's two hundred grand. He was being realistic too, as far as I even told the kid, this, this could be, he can be in there for one round and then you'll have nothing. Yeah. Because you know, he's going against I mean, this big shit, you know, league robot. But that's the idea that these robots don't really mean nothing to their people. Yeah, they take some pride in them because they're making them money, but ultimately they're just tools. But this little, what was his name, Adam? Adam. There's something about Adam. I mean, they reinforce that fact in the very first scene where he gets knocked out three times. Which, in real boxing, that's a TKO. TKO that would have been yes. the end of the fight. But, you know, he keeps getting back up. I mean, that is about the robot's quote-unquote spirit, his heart. A plot, He's so plucky. <laughs> yeah, a plot element they never explore. It's like, what keeps making that robot get up? I mean, logically, technically, it should just be a pile of bolts and... You know, they all have a breaking point, and once they reach that breaking point, all the heart in the world ain't going to help. But no, this little guy keeps getting up no matter what. I got to bring something up here, because this is an important thing as as a fighter. I've had some minor boxing lessons in the past, and one of the first things that you learn from your boxing instructor is how to cover yourself when somebody's trying to punch you in the face. And he really doesn't do it until the very end, because, of course... His his thing is broken, but the shadow function still works. So Hugh Jackman has to step up and throw some blows in there to get this robot going. Yeah, and that pissed me off, because that means every time the robots turn around, Hugh Jackman has to run around the ring yes. and show him what to do next, and somehow manages to do that in a split second. Either that, or they have to have the whole fight facing one way. Yes. Yeah, I, I assumed the robot had radar or something, because he was 
facing towards his opponent as he should, and yet he was supposed to be shadowing uh, Hugh Jackman. I'm like, how do, how does that work? Well, apparently the, yeah, the voice. But if the, you if you watch the shots, though, Hugh is always within a line of sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has to be constantly moving around the ring and somehow getting there <laughs> instantaneously. I was waiting for, for Hugh Jackman to do some spins there, but apparently the voice command still works because he said, spin left, spin right, you know, stuff like that. And he, he did the spin left, spin right thing. But yeah, well, that was before it broke, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, rec- I, I don't recall. But the, the fact that he did, he, he talked about all these, you know, these punching combinations and all this stuff, this robot, and didn't teach the robot how to cover up because he took some major hits from these big robots, and it would have been, it would have been fixed a little bit if he learned how to cover up just slightly, you know. And uh, he didn't get that until it's the end. A- oh, I'm sorry. It's the same school of cinematic boxing that Rocky comes from, mm-hmm. where it don't make no sense. Well, I mean, if Rocky can get his ass handed to him for 90% of the fight and then at the very end manage to, you know, dig deep and find his heart and, you know, well, Rocky save had, Rocky the day. Rocky had two things put, playing for him. The fact that he could break bones on a man like nobody's business when he hit win for the body and the fact that he had the hardest head in all of boxing. You know, literally the hardest head. They claimed this. And, uh, which, of course, led to dementia, that they, which they forgot about Rocky Balboa. But I love that movie, so I'll forgive that. You know. <laughs> but, uh, oh my gosh, gonna build some hurting bombs. I forgot that Devention mentioned that Evangeline Lilly uh, plays Wasp in those Ant Man movies. You have three superheroes in this film. Check check it out, people. You know. <laughs> and she's Tariel. Yeah, yeah, she is. Um, what else is there? Oh, yeah, the the the, the whole father son bond thing is the only thing that works. Only through line is that robot. And uh, I guess that's how it works in this film. Like, oh, we got to stay together for Adam. Not let's stay together, let's be a good father and son. But no, let's stay together for, for this robot. And uh, they're supposed to be gone for like a month, but it seemed like they were a, lo- a long time going with this uh, this vacation. And then it seemed like their they're, they're robot fighting went a lot longer than that. I don't know. I'm pop talking crazy. But, uh... No, he said it was over a summer, so yeah. Oh, it no, was over like a summer, yes. yes. it was, yes. Yeah. Oh, if the kid in Over the Top was a big crier, the kid in this movie was a huge screamer, because that's all he did throughout this whole film was scream. Yeah. Must be too much Dr. Pepper, because he, he drank a lot of sodas in this movie. <laughs> this, yeah. This is a building... Oh, that, that bit pissed me off, when he grabs the mic from the commentator, and he's like, hey, Zeus, I challenge you, and I'm like, bitch, you won one fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, you had to set that up for for that, for the the, the goat dumb, and then making that match happen super fast. Because, uh... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because two hours is not long enough for them to set it up a normal way. No. I, I love I love the names and the robots uh, and uh, and the designs of the robots. They have great names: uh, Noisy Boy, Ambush. Uh, yeah, Noisy Boy is a great name. Noisy Boy is a great name. Yes, Midas. I was really looking forward to seeing him as well. And again, he lasted like thirty seconds, and des- that was the end of it. He got destroyed by by Midas, which is a had a mohawk. Which I read in the notes there that it was a a tribute to Mr. T and Rocky Three. That this robot had a mohawk. He just threw that in there for no reason. But Obviously. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> he, he needed one of those earrings. With what do you fe- predict? Pain. Pain. He needed one of those earrings with the feather hanging down, too. Just, just to 
maybe some gold chains, just to really hit it home. <laughs> um, I pity the tool. I pity the tool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, I, I I agree. The film is too long. If you cut if you cut a half an hour out, it'd be a slim hour hour um forty five minutes hour thirty five minute film. I think you would a lot got a lot better. You slim it down by making his fighting scenes into a lot more of a montage, except with the exception of the first couple, because I think the the fight in what they called the zoo was pretty spectacular. Uh, yeah, that was kind of Mad Max, wasn't it? It was a cheap move, too. I mean, he stepped on that robot's foot, they hit him in the face, and uh, it was like, okay, I guess they are... He clamped it as well. His foot had, like, a fucking clamp on it, so he couldn't get out. Oh, yeah. But they were in, like, like Thunderdome rules, like like you said. And Yeah, exactly. I guess it didn't matter. <laughs> but when that thing starts hitting itself in the head, I can't stop laughing. Um, uh, I'm not saying this movie needs less women in it, but... What was the point of Evangeline Lilly's character? She did not need to be there at all. She was the romantic lead and the the owner of that gym, apparently. I guess I don't, I don't know. And we she was need, Burgess that Meredith. Gym was pointless. <laughs> she was Burgess Meredith and uh, Talia Shire. Talia Shire yeah. all rolled into one. Yeah, she was Mickey and Adrian <laughs> with, with, put together. <laughs> yes, like, the kid does all the robotics. Up, so we didn't even need her after the first couple of robots. So it would have been no. so easy to just write that he kind of clanged them together himself and it wasn't great at it. End of story. Like, her character was so superfluous. I heard a deleted scene that she she, she makes the robot catch a chicken in, in the yard there. And, you know, because if you can catch a chicken, you catch you can, you can fight, apparently. In, in uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they buy some robot turtles. Oh, yeah, robot turtles and, you know... <laughs> Tells Adam not to have sex with 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 his his robot lady friend because it make dames make you weak, you know. And uh, <laughs> whatever, man. Real Steel's a film that I enjoy, but it's just a little convoluted, a little long. I think it um from what I read, it cost one hundred ten million dollars to make, only made eighty five, so it was technically a commercial failure. But uh, I have a lot of fun with it. I hear a lot of folks talk about it, have a lot of fun with it too. Ah, uh, yeah. Robots, man. Robots. M&M. It's, 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 it's like mother's milk, see? But uh, <laughs> I'll kick it to Brian and ask him anything else he'd like to say about it. And uh, what is his rating? 1 to 10. Uh, it's no over the top, but uh, it was fun. I mean, I like this was a first time watch for me. I don't think I ever even heard of the movie before. Or if I did, I just quickly forgot it. So it was a decent little watch. Um... I don't know. I'll give it a maybe a six. Fair enough. A uh, hawk. Yeah, I'd seen like a million trailers for it, but never bothered to actually watch it. So kind of glad that I did eventually. I did enjoy it, but I'm not entirely sure why, because there are so many flaws. But it's one of those films that, you know, if you just want to watch something and you don't really want to get too into it, it's it's pretty solid, you know, entertainment value. So... Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with Brian and give it a six. Cool. Jamie? Uh, well, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I mean, on, on the surface, this is a this is an entertaining, heartwarming film. It's, you know, I did enjoy it while I was watching it. But then it's just, it's one of those movies that benefits from you not putting a whole lot of thought into it. Because once you start to, then things just begin to unravel and you start noticing exactly how many problems it has. 
So it's kind of one of those movies that I'm better off just taking it as it is. And maybe I shouldn't really think about it too hard. So if you if you want that and if you don't mind that, then, yeah, it is definitely entertaining. And I'd say it, it deserves a six. If you start picking at the loose threads, though, then the number's going to go down. I should take a point off for no rock'em sock'em joke. I should take a point off for punching a bull. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe they didn't do that, though. <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I do enjoy the film. It's stupid fun, but a little bit overly long from, for all the reasons that we said. There's a lot of a lot of low random flaws in there. Uh, I, 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 I think I'm going to give it a 7, though. I, I, I still really enjoy it. I've watched it multiple times. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. 7 out of 10. And uh, right after this... We'll come back, uh, talk about some dead folks, and close out the show. Are you terrified by real life? Us too! Do you like horror movies? Us too! Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts, for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top-notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy the Projection Boot. Every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience, a wonderful companion to the films they cover. The Projection Booth is awesome. A wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary, thoroughly researched, very entertaining, and always informative. The amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold. Interviews, critiques, music, and trailers. These are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. But the projection booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. The projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. We're going to skip the death segment this week, and I'm going to kick it to Brian, because Jamie had a bounce, to push both of their stuff, if he can remember everything. Oh, hell, I don't know. I'm horrible at that. <laughs> um, well, we should be recording a new episode of ABC's of Hidden Horror, hopefully this coming week. It's been delayed uh, quite a bit because of various things going on, and then most recently... Dave Z switched houses, so that always takes its time. Um, I know she has a Devour the Podcast coming up. Can't be more specific than that. Uh, we have an Evil Episodes around the corner we need to do. And uh, that's about all I can think of. So that's all I got. Okay. Uh, Hawk, 
What you got going on, girl? What do you got going on? Uh, well, I've started up my YouTube channel again. So if you like Let's Play videos or watching, or if you're interested in games but don't really play them yourself, then you should come check it out. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, pretty much everything you could think of as the Hawkward, as in awkward, but with my name. So it's T-H-E-H-A-W-K-E-W-A-R-D, Hawkward. Nice. Um, and myself, this show, and the two Drink Minimum commentaries could both be heard on legionpodcast.com, uh, Twitter at GW, Twitter at CinnamonBeefCast. Uh, again, happy Father's Day to all your fathers out there, uh. I don't have mine anymore, but he's uh, he's with me in spirit and, and comes up in spades and dick and fart jokes. So if you ever want to learn where I got my, my, my sense of humor from, it's mostly from him. And uh, I'm proud of that for that reason. You know? <laughs> um, that's better for this one. Uh, always remember the Sinvee podcast. If you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time. All right, folks, to close out the show. Um... We didn't do a chopping block segment, but uh, I noticed one that had passed away during the recording of the show, and I forgot to mention it, and I feel fucking ashamed for, for not doing so. So I'm going to end the show this way. I have to tell you guys that uh, Matt Guitar Murphy, probably best known for, for playing in the Blues Brothers band, uh, he died um, Friday uh, at 88 years old. Long, long life, I'm sure. But here's a little background on him. Uh, he was um, <laughs> he was born in Mississippi, but but raised in Memphis, uh, learning how to play the blues with uh, <laughs> le- legendary people coming up in his things, including uh, Howling Wolf, Memphis Slim, and Muddy Waters. It's a pretty great list in itself. But then later played with um, Etta James and Ike Turner and some other great artists too. But um. You get down to brass tacks with me as a boy. I watched him explode on the screen with wonderful guitar solos with a wonderful band. And it's not just the comedy people. It's a, probably one of the greatest collections of musicians that ever been put together. It's that Blues Brothers band. And I think nothing more appropriate than to play Sweet Home Chicago for you lovely listeners. And I hope you guys enjoy that. Have a good night.
Brother Baby. 